Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Good afternoon, Auburn. Welcome into Sports Call here today on this Tuesday. Coming to you live from our studios here on South College Street. My name is JJ Jackson. On the program with me today, I've got my good pals Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress. Brooks will join us a little bit later in the program, and we've got a fun show planned for you here today, talking about all of the latest news around the world of Auburn athletics and other news in the wide, wide, wide world of sports. We'll talk about Auburn's win over Texas A&M from this past weekend. Continue to get you set for Auburn and Western Kentucky. That will be played on Saturday inside Jordan-Hare Stadium. Auburn men's basketball has their third game of the year a little bit later tonight when they take on Winthrop. A few hours ago, Suni Lee announced online that this would be her final year competing for the Auburn Tigers. She made the declaration official. She will forego her remaining two years of college eligibility, sign professionally with the Elite Series in gymnastics, and continue to get set for the 2024 Paris Olympics. So tons of news. That's what we're saying here on Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show here today, and we're glad that you're with us. If you want to call in and chat with us, you certainly can do that. 334-887-3401. Ryan, how are you, man? I'm doing well, JJ, and uh, excited to talk more sports with you. First time on the program this week, and I know we'll continue to have great conversations about the the coaching search and, and college football and other uh, rankings tonight for the college football playoff, which will be exciting to see. Uh, and in between, sandwiched in between some some great college basketball games, of course, Auburn basketball getting going two games in now. They've got another one tonight. And I just I love this time of year. I know that some things on the football side of things haven't been as fun this year, obviously, but just so much to watch, so much to enjoy. Uh, I, for fear of being a little sentimental, uh, you know, I, I again still just appreciate when we're able to enjoy and consume sports like normal because. You know, there was obviously 2020 where we were begging for anything to happen and it, things were so slow and environments weren't uh, like they used to be even when we were playing. And so I, I just, again, at times like this, uh, I just remember those days and, and just, again, appreciate that we've got so much yeah. to talk about that we can banter over a coaching search, that we can banter over if Auburn basketball uh, can shoot the ball better than they have in the last couple of games and uh, just enjoy um, all these things that make sports great and, and give us the opportunity to do what we do. So sorry for getting a little sentimental there, but uh, I'm just very excited to, to talk anything and everything. We there. echoed the same message on yesterday's program and, and gave you credit for your message. You had a similar message on Friday I brought up uh, at our show at the Auburn Alumni Center that, uh, yeah, we talked so much about Auburn football in particular on this program, and we only get 12 of these things promised 
each and every year. And unless Auburn can pull off magic these last two weeks and win that Iron Bowl, we're definitely only getting 12 of these things this year. And so we need to enjoy each and every one of them because then we're starting a really, really long conversation uh, amping up to the start of another Auburn football season. Yeah, I mean, you get 12 of something in a 365-day <laughs> span. I don't like that's the percentages there. Yeah, yeah, that's not a lot. It's not like the other sports and – you know that's why you know we value each game so much. We talk about it so much, but at the same time, you know we we've done this show for several years now, and so we know what the conversations are like. Especially once basketball ends in March, we know what the conversations are like from April to August, and we're yearning for anything and everything. We're analyzing the second and third string guys. We're trying to talk about you know how the transfer portal is gone. We're doing doing all these speculations, and look those are exciting in a sense too because we get to test our metal for what we know and what we don't know but it's still far better to analyze the actual games and not just player movement and so yeah it's been disappointing for Auburn again a message we've echoed all season long but I'm still going to appreciate the hell of the last 120 minutes of football <laughs> that they play this year because we're not going to get it again until the, the beginning of, of September of next year. So you're going to wait a long time. So it, as agonizing as it's been, <laughs> been at times, uh, I still enjoy and appreciate that it is still football season. We'll continue to have more on the coaching search on today's program. Auburn looking for their next head football coach to lead the program. I like what you said about Auburn men's basketball. They have greatly struggled shooting the basketball through these first two games. We'll see if that continues tonight against Winthrop. Again, 6 o'clock tip-off. You can watch the game on the SEC Network or listen on FM Talk 93.9. And then finally, again, Suni Lee announcing this afternoon she will compete this year for the Auburn Tigers, but ends all speculation. A lot of people thought this announcement would be coming soon. She will not compete collegiately for her junior and senior seasons. She's going to forego, start professional career, and train for the Paris Olympics in 2024, having already won a gold medal in her life and saying, look, that's a a once-in-a-lifetime feeling to have that gold medal around your neck. And in her video, she says, I want to feel that again. I don't want it to be a once-in-a-lifetime type feeling. And so uh, it's an athlete, a student-athlete at Auburn that John Cohen addressed in his opening remarks in the same conversation as Bo Jackson and Charles Barkley as figures who transcended their own sports, not just within Auburn. Uh, but it's that's massive news here on the Plains that came out this afternoon. Well, she's been a clear needle mover uh, for Auburn gymnastics. You no know, doubt. And, the, and those athletes are rare that one singular person can can move the needle like she has for Auburn Gymnastics. And we talk about the amount of season tickets yeah. being sold from gymnastics, all-time highs, obviously. And I, I think her career path is a, a true blessing, exactly how you'd hope to have it. She goes to the Olympics before she ever goes to college. <laughs> she gets a couple of uh, – uh, she also gets several medals. She gets a gold medal goes to Auburn and gets a couple years of college, and then you get to go back and and train professionally and go for the Olympics again. I mean, look, the Olympics are bigger than college athletics. They are. I mean, if you truly value the Olympics, I mean, it's the biggest and and best sports. I mean, the global games. And so, you know, I I think that that's pretty awesome to get the opportunity to share in SUNY's ride here these last two years and be a part, you know, her be a part of the Auburn program and the Auburn family, and then gets to go back and compete at the same level that she made her famous and and made it such a big deal that she was coming here. And so 
I think she's moved the needle. We've seen the excitement. We've seen Auburn as a team go to the Final Four last year in gymnastics. They've been getting some other awesome recruits here in the last 12 months. And, you know, it's very possible this Auburn program stays at a very high level just because of SUNY's impact and, and how much she's been able to help. You know, we talk about recruiting in other sports, but how much she's been able to help recruiting when you see an Olympic gold medalist go to a college program, other Olympians or wannabe Olympians are going to say, oh, I, that's where she went? Well, I, I, I need to go there. That That's the path for her. That can be the path for me. And so, again, you know, she's a trailblazer in that sense with, with Auburn Gymnastics and, and being able to kind of show everyone, you know, how great Jeff Graba is and then just the program as a whole. And so, uh, yeah, she's been a special athlete and special asset for, for Auburn Athletics and very excited that she will compete in full this year. You get two years with her. You know, again, I you can't ask for any more because yeah. she is going to be training for the Olympics, and, and there's a different style to that and different needs for that in terms of training uh, for those events. And so, uh, really, I, again, I'm just I, I can't be happier with you know how this has played out for her and for Auburn because you do get that Olympic experience, you get to bring that. Uh, notoriety to Auburn you get to compete and love for Auburn for a couple of years and then you get to go right back at it on the Olympic stage hopefully so uh, it really will work out her time both at Auburn and in the Olympics and sign a professional contract right something that you absolutely love to do and people want to now say Ryan name image and likeness well guess what that's not getting paid to actually do the sport that you're doing that's getting paid for your name, your image, and your paid likeness to be you. in itself. Exactly. Like you woke up, cool. That's you. You're not you don't get paid to do this sport for Auburn University. So let me go get paid to do this sport elsewhere. Yeah, I get it. Totally get it. Yeah, I mean and that's the model that is gonna work every other place. And look, as long as you've got a structure where NIL doesn't exceed what you make professionally, that's when things would get kind of twisted. You know, yeah. it wouldn't really make sense for a twenty one year old to say, I can I'm gonna make more as a twenty one year old at a school than I can make as a twenty seven year old playing professionally. Now obviously, <laughs> you know, in college you're never gonna make the thirty to forty to fifty million that some of these athletes can make in these you know, like pro basketball, these max contracts, and if you're quarterback in the NFL and all that. But uh, there are going to be weird situations where, you know, you could start to say, well, you might make more as a college athlete than maybe the minimum as a pro. But you still, as you said, the kind of the weird dynamic that you are popular because of the sport that you play, however you make the money because you're popular, not because not of the sport because you play. It's sport. like a chicken <laughs> or the egg type of thing there. But you're right, SUNY going on to be a professional will make money because she is a great gymnast and no longer just because her name is SUNY Lee, which, of course, was derived out of being a great gymnast. It's, it's kind of a weird, weird hamster wheel yeah. thing there. 334-887-3401 or toll-free at one 9 This news, of course, comes about one month we're really on november 15th looking at the first gymnastics event inside neville arena scheduled for december 16th so one month away from that chaos getting started let's take our first time out of today's show when we come back we celebrate our birthdays in sports and take your phone calls here tiger 95.9 fm
Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. This is Andy Burcham, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back into the program. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson inside the studio with Ryan LaVoy. Brooks Childress will join us here in a little while. And uh, we'll move forward here on the program. Bit of drama in yesterday's show with uh, Mr. Childress. Regarding talking the about the uh, potential TV, suspension TV uh, with the TV guy. Yeah, yeah. That'll, that'll have to be addressed a little bit later in the show, that's for sure. Uh, all of our sports call callers and guests join us on that Auburn Bank phone line. Auburn Bank has been your hometown bank for over 110 years. Visit them online at auburnbank.com for more information. Your partner, your neighbor, your friend, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Give us a call to join the show at 334-887-3401 locally or toll free at one 888 Tiger 9. To the phone lines we go, and joining us on the show today, we've got our good pal, Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve is there with us here on Sports Call today. Hello, Steve. Hey, good afternoon, JJ and Ryan, and who else is there? It's just me and Ryan right now. Yeah. Okay, I, I talked to Brooks earlier. So, listen, I appreciate the compliment you to me of good pal, because I know sometimes I can become You a, always a, are, yes. And I could be obnoxious. All right. Brian, congratulations on your team pulling out a win in Germany. Yeah, I mean, look, if we're going to play better in Germany, if we play all of our games in Germany, great, awesome. If they're going to play like that. Minus, of course, the throw to Tom Brady, which we should never have done. But, you know, uh, otherwise, yeah, proud of the Bucks. Yeah, I didn't know that Germany was such a big follower. Apparently have a big fan following of NFL football, so I, I read that. Uh, how about there's no more undefeated NFL teams? Yeah, last night was a surprise. Uh, the Commanders are not a bad team, but they, you know, I mean, just pretty average. And it was in Philadelphia, and mistakes. I think four turnovers by the Eagles, and just a perfect storm. And yeah, no more undefeated team. It was announced last night that through ten weeks of the NFL season, through ten weeks of the NFL season, the NFC East division has the greatest winning percentage in the history of the NFL, which is hilarious. When you think we've called this the NFC least before, and we've had so many funny nicknames for that division, that it's like, yeah, it's awesome that we've got the uh, this this coming up, and, and now they've been able to pull off the best winning percentage. Wow, I never guess that. Yeah. So, uh, like Brad Law said, uh, I didn't know it then, now I know it. Yes, that's right. Okay. Wow. All right. Let's talk about our team, guys. Uh, I, I want to make this comment, and I, I don't know if you guys agree with it, but, you know, during Brian Harson's uh, this season, uh, as you probably know from my tone of voice when I was calling, I become rather apathetic. I told you, you know, I didn't even know that we were going to win any more games. And I got the sense from reading message boards on 247 that uh, many fans felt uh, the same way. And I say that uh, as a, a preemptive, I guess, to, to this comment is, when Mr. McGuinn decided, is McGlynn, is that right? 
Yeah, Rich McGlynn. Yeah, right. When he decided to put Cadillac in there, and I read his comments, he said he knew the, the person he wanted in there. He made the best decision because I, I, I'm convinced that when he put you know Cadillac in charge as a coach, that this is what our fans needed. We were desperate to have somebody that could bring back hope to us and bring back excitement. And he's done that. He's done all that, guys. And then I read uh, today uh, during his press conference that uh, one of the reporters there asked uh, uh, Coach, uh, Coach Williams what was the, for, for him, uh, the best important moment in that football game. You know what his answer was, right? What was that? It was having all of his former teammates be in there in the locker room during the pregame and on the sidelines during the game and after the game. That's right. Yep. He yeah. And he, I counted them. There were twenty three of them in the photo that I saw there. Yeah, it just That's meant, insane. meant a lot to him to to have all those guys feel like they were welcome and feel like they were a part of things and be excited about Auburn football again. Well, they made the hybrid. Well, many of them made the effort. Like some of them uh, drove ten hours away, you know, uh, to be there. And uh, I know that like, I saw Jason Campbell's picture in there. I guess was Ronnie Brown there too with him because I know he he does the other uh, uh, the show too. Yes. On the radio. Yep. He's the sideline reporter. He's at every single game. So Ronnie was already right. there. Yeah. Big names. Uh, Aron Shadu was there. Carlos Rogers. Uh, Tons uh, of people yeah. there to support. Yeah. Great. So he, for whatever reasons, I'm glad. Um, you know, Mr. McGlynn you know, picked. Uh, I thought the Zach Etheridge, but now I was wrong. It was it was time. We were desperate. Fans, at least I was, to feel some hope again about the football program. And I'm so glad that uh, Cadillac was there. Now, he said there was one other moment that was also almost equal to him as his players being there. That was what? Getting the game day ball. Uh, That's right, from Derek Hall. Yep. Um, yeah. And he said he'd never kept other uh, mementos that he'd won throughout his NFL career, even at Auburn. But this one he said he's going to keep, and that's the, the football. Yes. Good for him. Oh, that, that, that was good. And moving on to football again, have you guys been to the uh, the U Performance Center yet? Football. Haven't got a chance to go over there yet, but I've certainly seen all the videos. Looks oh, amazing. My gosh. I saw it on my uh, computer, and uh, and then the stuff I read from Mark Murphy about what's in there. They've got a car wash, I guess the car where the players just walk through and get, I guess, uh, uh, washed off of their you know their their jerseys. And they have a barbershop in there, and they wear computer chips when they're practicing, so uh, they can keep uh, the, the data on how they're uh, progressing or not. Uh, this is just uh, awesome, wow, wow stuff. And then they have a 3D printer that will uh, exactly make the equipment that a uh, person who has any kind of injury will need fit to their measurements. I said, whoa. So if you weren't impressed uh, before uh, about our... I bet you are now. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I guess it'll be, uh, will be the public be allowed to go... And tour the facility or, or not? Yeah, they've they've got another public tour date this Friday. I think it's like three to six or something around our showtime. That of course we can't go, but uh, yeah, they 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 allowed the public in last Friday, allowing them in this Friday. Beyond that, I'm not sure. Though. Yeah, I don't know if they'll yeah, do this wondering. each year or what, but uh, they they do have it once again this Friday. So you want as a public uh, just fan just be able to walk through there anytime you want to? Then correct. If you're restricted, correct. Okay, all right. Moving on to uh, tonight's game, Winthrop. The line is 18-and-a-half, but the line was also 20-and-a-half against you-know-who. Yeah. We struggled to, to almost beat. 
So I'm not putting any stock in that, that 18 and a half point spread. But I bring this up because I didn't know this, and maybe you guys did, but it's the first one. I watched a, a video just by chance of a press conference by the coach for West Kentucky. I forgot his name. And during the conversation, he said, I have a lot of respect. I mean, he was very complimentary about uh, Auburn's basketball team. And then he said this little nugget. He said, I respect Auburn for a lot of reasons, but more so because his brother was an Auburn football player who played under Coach Pat Dye. Did you guys know that? I, I did not. I believe you said the Western Kentucky coach. Did you mean the Winthrop coach? Uh, I'm sorry. I, I'm confusing you. Thank you for correcting me. Uh, the West Kentucky coach, uh, his brother, was the one who played for Auburn uh, as a football player under Coach Pat Dye. Okay. Are you talking about Auburn's basketball game tonight or their Saturday football game against Western Kentucky? No, I'm talking about West Kentucky's the uh, football game. Okay, football gotcha. Game. Yeah, okay. I, gotcha. I, yeah, you know, when you get 71, you, everything is a blur. Yeah, you were uh, just talking about the yeah, spreads so, of, yeah, uh, of basketball so, yeah. and then switched over to football. I knew. Uh, I'm sorry, guys. I probably, uh, but it was caught by surprise. It was a West Kentucky coach. Yeah, his, his name brother. is. His name is. Uh, his, or the head coach of West Kentucky is Tyson Helton. Uh, I don't know okay. his brother's name. But his brother played for uh, Pat Dye when uh, he was attending Auburn. So I didn't know that part either. Uh, so that ought to be an interesting uh, matchup. And then we've got, talk about matchups, uh, Coach Nell Fortner, former, of course, Auburn basketball player of women's, is going to be playing uh, against us uh, tomorrow night, right? Uh, that is correct. Georgia Tech coming to Auburn. Uh, revenge game because we beat them last year, right, Un- unexpectedly? Yes, Auburn beat Georgia Tech, and they were ranked at the time when they did it. And then I didn't know, but one of her assistant coaches was a former Auburn basketball player uh, uh, as well under Nell Fortner. Did you know that? Uh, I did not know that. Yeah, I forgot her name, but I'm just reading about that. So there's that. So, guys, uh, I understand that maybe we might see Chance tonight for a few minutes. Yeah, Bruce uh, Bruce Pearl yesterday in the press conference eloquently put it, there's a chance that Chance may play. Uh, if he does play, he said he would play about 10 to 15 minutes. And then I see that uh, maybe Broom may be questionable because he's got still an ankle sprain. Is that correct? Yeah, he is expected to play. Uh, he is still dealing with that ankle injury. Again, Bruce Pearl said that he was moving in practice better on Sunday than he had been in a couple of days. Uh, it just feels like that's something that's going to linger for a while, uh, but he is still expected to play. So educate me here, guys, for um, I let uh, you guys let me go. Um, is Winthrop, is this going to be another one of those, oh, here we go again, like South Florida, or will this be a more relaxing, at ease, uh, easy win? Well, I mean, I think it all depends on Auburn and their ability to shoot from the perimeter. I mean, Auburn obviously takes so many perimeter shots. They're going to do a good job on Winthrop defensively. Winthrop ain't going to score a lot of points tonight. And and Auburn should be able to out-physical them, which tells me Auburn should still be able to win the game even if they don't shoot well. However, when Auburn is really racking up points and when they're really uh, destroying people at home, they're usually hitting – eight, nine, ten, three-pointers on a decent percentage. And so, uh, you know, you look at what Winthrop's done this year. They got lambasted by Penn State to start the year. They lost by 25 at Penn State. However, uh, Winthrop's last game, they beat Middle Tennessee State, and Middle Tennessee 
uh, is usually a really respectable mid-major program at a Conference USA. So, you know, I think when you look at what college basketball is going on around, and, and this is something, again, Bruce Pearl talked about, is that there's a lot of weirdness that, that happens. There's a lot of teams. Uh, who was it? I was trying to remember. Someone lost well, to – Duke got beat. Duke did not get beat. Duke is under. Okay, I thought they got beat. Okay, I thought they did. Okay. I, I I hope they get beat tonight when they play Kansas. Uh, but the, they are they are undefeated currently. But there was somebody that that lost to Grambling, and then turned around and, and beat somebody. Colorado, Colorado did. beat and Tennessee. Tennessee. Yeah, yeah. So you know that that is not a very very logical sequence of events to lose to Grambling and then beat a top twenty five Tennessee team. So I guess the moral of the story is. You know, Bruce Pearl's just wanting his Auburn guys to understand that anyone can beat anybody, always give a great effort, uh, and not take Winthrop lightly. So in that respect, you know, I, I can't promise a blowout because some weird things do happen. But if Auburn can start to hit some perimeter shots, I do think they'll pull away. Okay, when you said that, Ron, just real quickly, because my son tries to convince you, how can that be? When you said that comment, anybody can beat anybody, See, I never considered that. Like anybody cannot beat Alabama, you know. Uh, it's not like Winthrop can't go, you know, and, and beat uh, in football or, or Vanderbilt. Can I go and beat Alabama? It doesn't hold true, right? But it apparently holds true in basketball because that's what I can't. Uh, I guess I can't grasp. How can just anybody beat anybody? A Duke can never lose to to, to a Winthrop team. Well, you know, it's just it's the nature of the sports, right? And and. I think the more physic, the more physicality matters, the less variance of results because physicality is something that really doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't change much, right? If I'm faster than you, there's not going to be a day where I wake up and then I'm not faster than you, right? I mean, it's only going to be if I decide not to try hard, will I not be faster than you? Same thing with strength. If I if I bench 500 pounds and you bench 300, there's not a day where that's going to be the, the opposite of that unless I decide that I just don't care that day, right? So uh, when football is a more physical sport and the physical nature of it matters more, it's harder to overcome those physical limitations that other teams, smaller teams might have. However, in basketball, Ball, and then baseball is even a better example of it. The physicality doesn't matter as much. It can. I'm not saying it can't. Your speed can matter. Your athleticism, your ability to jump and dunk and rebound, and all that stuff can matter. But ultimately, the ball's got to go in the basket. And sometimes that's a more that's a wider variance of outcomes that can happen when someone's trying to shoot a 20 foot jump shot versus someone just being able to just outspeed somebody. All right. Well, I'm still trying to, you know, uh, accept that because I can't say, well, I can't. How can you? Why can't you just out talent people uh, on your? If you got more five and four star players on your basketball team uh, compared to Alabama, you're just going to out talent them no matter you know how motivated they may be. They don't have the skills, talented players. But you're telling me, no, Steve. There are days that anybody can beat anybody. Is that what I'm understanding? Exactly, and it doesn't mean that that smaller team. So much. Right. It doesn't mean that smaller team is better. Than the team they beat, and obviously, you know, but it just again, when you have to put that ball in the basket, there's a lot of different ways you can do that. But the the with the game being so dependent now on jump shots, well, Steve, I don't have to be very strong to shoot a, a three pointer, 
but maybe I do have to be pretty strong to bang down low with big guys. So I think it's also just the progression of basketball as we move further and further away from the rim that kind of negates some of the physical nature of it too. And there's some teams that take advantage now of big guys because they can't play defense away from the rim sometimes. So again, there's there's a lot that goes into it, but basically it just boils down to basketball is a game that has more variance in, in, in its outcomes than in football. So Ryan, last question. If that's what I'm hearing from you, then you're telling me that we're really a disadvantage in, uh, in some future games. Uh, because we're right now just really, really poor um, shooting three points, and we can't rely on just being aggressive uh, at the rim. Is that what you're saying? I mean, it is a disadvantage to shoot poorly, and, and so far Auburn is not doing that. Now, you know, other things matter. It's not just shooting, right? I mean, how Auburn you know, is how, still the number thirteen yeah, team in the country you, right now. How you how you guard, how you uh, get more possessions. You know, when you when you're able to, if I get ten more shots than the other team, well, then I don't have to shoot a better percentage. To, to beat them, I can shoot the same percentage because then I've gotten more shots because I've either forced more turnovers or I've rebounded better. I've given myself more shots. You know, it's 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 more black and white the possession battle in football, right? It, it's just purely turnovers, right? Whoever won the turnover battle usually got more possessions in that game. But in basketball, I can do that not only by stealing the ball by the by the turnover margin. I can also do it by just simply out rebounding the other team and getting more offensive rebounds getting more shots at it. You see what I'm saying? Sure. And I think, unless you tell me wrong, last my question, that it's also highly impactful and critical how good you are at the free throw line because games have been lost by free throws. Sure. Yeah, I mean, Auburn's also you know struggled to do that. If I get 30 free throws in the game and I make 20 and the other team gets 30 free throws and make 25, well, I lost two possessions of points You know, just, just off missed free throws. Okay, that's it, guys. Hey, thanks for uh, uh, putting up with some of my naive, I guess, basketball questions. And uh, I'm, I'm hoping that the, uh, the, the fan base will you know, come out. Yeah. And uh, I know it's the last game where West Kentucky, you know, uh, I know it's a meaningless uh, game for I me mean, in terms of, you know, uh, these are unranked teams, obviously. Uh, and in the grand scheme of things, it's not a championship game or anything. But. Uh, um, is, is your sense? Have you been hearing? You know, are people pumped up to attend this game? One last home game, or are people just going to maybe show up? I haven't got that great of a call on it just yet at this point in the week, but I would imagine you'll still see a good crowd show up for the final home game of the year, or at least I hope so. So, all right, I and War Eagle to SUNY Lee, Steve. Thank you guys for your time as always. My time is way way up. I, I'm always in debt. So until next time, you guys have a safe, relaxing afternoon. And uh, I hope I don't have to sweat this game out tonight. That's so right. Until then, War Eagle, guys. War Eagle, our good power, retired Ward Am Steve, joining us there on the program. When we come back, James from Montgomery joins Sports Call. That's happening next here on Tiger 95.9. We have your attention, please. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is. Hi, my name is. My name is. Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Want more Sports Call? Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com.
Welcome back into the program. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson and Ryan LaVoy here inside the studio talking about everything going on in the wide world of sports. Auburn a winner, 13-10 over Texas A&M on football this past Saturday. Auburn basketball gets set for their game against Winthrop tonight. And then we've been talking about uh, Suni Lee. Suni Lee has announced that this will be her last season competing for the Auburn Tigers, and then Suni Lee will not compete in her junior and senior years. She's going to go professional and uh, begin training for the 2024 Olympics in Paris. Your thoughts are always welcome. Call in and chat with us at 334-887-3401 or toll free at one 9 tiger 9 As we go back to the phone lines... James from Montgomery. James has called into the program. Hi, James. Hello, I'm War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, I am so happy about that game that we did last week against Texas A&M. And how do you think we're going to come out this weekend against Western Kentucky? I think the winning vibes are going to continue. I think Auburn's going to be able to pick up another win over the Hilltoppers. Yeah, because I think with that game that I saw, I saw like highlights of that game when we actually did the 13-10 lead uh, against Texas A&M, and Robbie Ashford, he looks like a good quarterback now for Auburn. That was the game that sold you on him? Yes. Interesting, and, yeah. And I think with that, I think that Robbie Ashford, I think he's going to look a little bit better this weekend. I do, too. I think he's going to have a good game against Western Kentucky. I think both Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter are going to continue to run the football well, and uh, I'm excited to see that game play out. Yeah, because I am, I'm like so excited. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at like a lot of key um, victories out of this game. I'm looking at Robbie Ashford making like, uh, like you know, Big time uh, video game numbers with Tank Bixby, Jaquez uh, Hunter, and you know uh, many many guys on that on that offensive team are looking really really good. You're right; they are looking good, and they need to be looking good at this time of the year. If Auburn can win this game against Western Kentucky, then they would be five and six, and they would set up a big matchup with Alabama. And if they beat Alabama in the Iron Bowl, then Auburn would get to go to a bowl game. Yes, because I will be here for that game here in Tuscaloosa, and that game is going to be rocking. It's going to be nice. It's going to be good weather. I'm hoping that the rain won't come in and you know mess up our our winning streak that we have. And I'm thinking with um, you know with our new head coach now with uh, Cal Ed Williams, I think he's gonna I think he's gonna stay. You're gonna be surrounded by a lot of Alabama fans at the Iron Bowl. Uh yes, I am. I am. I am going to be surrounded by a, a sea of Iron Bowl fans, and I know it's going to be, uh, I know it's going to be a, a a hot environment for me up here. Yeah. But with Auburn if the Alabama fans, fans try to talk to you, what are you going to say to the Alabama fans? I'm gonna just say, you know what, this is our year to win. Y'all are not going to win this year. Y'all are not going to win. I don't care how many records y'all have had. I've looked at the records, and the records, you could throw the records out for this game out the window next weekend. You think so? I know so, because with with Robbie Ashford, I think he's going to – this is, will be his first time actually playing in the Iron Bowl. I'm not quite sure. I have to go back and – It is, when, yes. Yeah, so this will be his first time ever playing. So if I do get a chance to meet him before the game starts, I'm going to actually tell him some, you know, kind words, you know, to calm him down as well. 
because, you know, anything in the Iron Bowl could happen. This is one of the historic matchups in the SEC. It's one of the oldest rivalries ever, and it's one of the heated rivalries in, in the SEC as well. If you were the head coach of Auburn, James, what would you tell Robbie Ashford before the Iron Bowl? Uh, okay, if I was the head coach of Auburn, and I'll tell the entire group of Auburn, I will actually tell them, you know, this is this is going to be a game that you all gentlemen wouldn't even understand, that you all won't even believe. Maybe your parents have played it. Maybe your grandparents have played it. But, you know, y'all are just young you know, young kids that, you know, don't even know anything about this rivalry. And this rivalry is going to be, you know, one to remember. If we win, we win. If we don't, we just have to, you know, you know, whatever the scoreboard says in Brian Denton Stadium, it doesn't matter. It's 60 minutes every minute. 60 minutes. That's what it is. And they would be motivated? And they'll get motivated. I'll fire them up, and you know, if they play through, if they get injured, I'll just say, you know what, play through it. I don't care if it's your <laughs> your hamstring, your ribs, your arm, your shoulder. Play right through the pain. That's what it is. Yeah, pain is temporary. Pride is forever. Yeah, because that's toughness what we do. always wins. That's what we're going. That's what I'm going to do next week. I'm gonna I'm gonna pump up the crowd. The Auburn fans. It's going to be part, it's going to be my first time ever uh, being back with the Auburn family. So you know it's going to be awesome. They're going to get to see me once once again in a long time as well. Who are you going to the game with, James? I'm actually going by myself. Uh, actually, all by yourself. All by myself. So wow. This will, my, this will be my first time ever in a long time, and uh, you know it, it's going to be a moment that I will never forget. Okay, I didn't know if any of your family was going to go with you, but you're going to go by yourself. Yeah, so I'm actually, you know, getting prepared for this one, and it's going to be awesome as well. Y'all might see me there, so I might be somewhere somewhere around there, somewhere yeah. close to the stadium as well. Unfortunately, we won't be able to be there, so you're just going to have to let us know how it goes. We'll be watching uh, okay. on TV, but you'll get to actually be there. Uh, sure, I would do that. I would do that as well because I mean th- this is one of one of the best games as well. And then with uh, the basketball game that we do have tonight, I think that Auburn would win tonight. So I'm going to be listening to that game in a few minutes and you know seeing if um, if we're going to make it in uh, Cancun as well. Yeah, that's coming up next week. A big challenge coming up for Auburn uh, men's basketball. What else is on your mind? Well, I know everybody's been talking about Sinisa Lee, and I'm very saddened that she's leaving us, but I think she might come back, you know, to visit. So, you know, it's going to be it's going to be an easy road for her. I wish her the best of luck, and I'll probably root her on in the 2024 Olympics as well. Yeah, she's leaving, but, you know, she gets to go compete in the Olympics again, and that's absolutely an amazing accomplishment. Yes, as well. So, you know, it's... Um, you know, I've actually been rooting her on since she was in Tokyo. I mean, in in the last Olympics. So, I'm going to root for her this time, and um, you know, getting to getting to see her once again in in the Olympics as well, uh, representing the United States of America as well. Yes, we love when the the USA does well. You know, the World Cup is coming up soon, James. Too. Yes, it is. It is. It is. Indeed. And we hope and the USA wins. 
Yeah, so I hope we win, actually. So it's going to be awesome for the United States to actually win their first World Cup as well. Yeah, soccer is a really fun sport. Yes, it is. It is indeed. And then on uh, Fox Sports 1, they actually are going to be doing a documentary on uh, the history of soccer versus football. What is the difference between soccer and football? So that's uh, going to be on Fox Sports 1 tonight as well. Do you know what the difference is? Um, I do not know the difference between soccer and football, but I think it's different sports play with different equipment as well yeah well then watch the documentary and you'll get to find out the information and you'll be able to answer that question for us yeah so i would do that as well and report back to us and i will and um i'm hoping that we'll have a great a great season this year i know this is um, you know, one one to remember for the 2022 football season, and I'm going to be there in uh, 2023 when we actually do it all over again. That's right. I can't wait to do it all over again. That's the goal at the end of the day, and we'll see how that goes. Yeah, so I'll just uh, keep you all posted, and um, I'll see how if, if we win. Um, it's going to be a big celebration here in Tuscaloosa. What kind of trivia do you want tomorrow? Um, well, I know we're playing Western Kentucky, so I'll have to say Western Kentucky football trivia as well. Western Kentucky football trivia. All right, that's very specialized. So we'll see what we can make happen. Does that sound like a plan? Oh, uh, that sounds like a great plan. Uh, we love and making then, great plans. All right. And then what and, else? And uh, Wednesday, I know it's um, Wacky Wednesday, so I have some Wacky Wednesday uh, fun fact trivia about me being a Auburn fan when I actually came to Auburn. So it's going to be really funny, so y'all will actually get to hear that from me tomorrow uh, as well. Okay, Wacky Wednesday with James. We're looking forward to it. Give us a call then, All okay? Right. All right, sounds good and War Eagle. War Eagle, indeed. That right there is our good pal James from Montgomery joining us on the program. And what that does is it brings us to the end of hour number one of Sports Call. Alongside Ryan the Boy, my name is JJ Jackson. More fun straight ahead. One hour in the books, and we're rolling. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, 
Auburn's, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Second hour of Sports Call starting right now on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson here inside the studio with Ryan Lavoy and Brooks Childress. What a fun first hour of the program we had. We've got two more left to go as Auburn basketball gets set to take on Winthrop tonight. A reminder that that game will start at 6, but pregame coverage starts at 5.30 on FM Talk 93.9 with the countdown to tip-off. You can listen to Andy Burcham, Brad Law, and Sonny Smith on the broadcast for Auburn basketball a little bit later this evening. If you would like to be a part of the show, you can call in and chat with us at 334-887-3401 or toll-free at one 888 9 Busy, busy, busy time of the sports year. And uh, Brooks, as we talked yesterday, Major League Baseball free agency is now off and running. Heck yeah, it is. And we're seeing some deals start to set and take place. Yeah, uh, I saw earlier a relief pitcher, Tyler Anderson, signing with the Angels. From the Dodgers. From the Dodgers. Three years, $39 million. Doesn't have to move homes. Would you like to have a $13 million annual contract? (laughs) Well, boy, would I. That'd be pretty fun, wouldn't it? I wanna. <laughs> Do you like Tyler Anderson? And not for thirteen million, I don't think per year. But hey, that's not my problem. And you, you know, you're a reliever, so you don't have to work every single day. Yeah, wasn't he pretty good? He's good, but I mean, I, that's that's just more of a general rule of thumb thing thing for me. Like multi year, I'm fine with a one year deal yeah. for a reliever on fifteen million. But relievers are so finicky. They kind of lose it pretty quick, and I just I'm not a big multi-year, double-digit million per year guy. If, you, if you're saying, can I get a you know a good setup guy for like three years, fifteen million total? Yeah, you know five or six million a year, I'm fine with that. But I'm not double-digit. I start to get a little antsy about that. Brooks, who won the Rookie of the Year awards yesterday in Major uh, League Baseball? In the American League, it was Julio Rodriguez. Yep. And then for the National League, second place was an Atlanta Brave. His name's Spencer Strider. He came in second. The first place was also an Atlanta Brave. His name was Michael Harris II. Congrats to him, man. Money Mike. Rookie of the year he's in the National League. Money. He is going to make some he's, he's He signed a big deal. He's a Brave. He's an Atlanta Brave. We know Dansby Swanson's not coming back, right? All right. Whoa. Let's calm down there. Like we, that's not going to happen. We discussed this yesterday. It's just not going to happen. It's better to go ahead and come to grips with it now. Well, where is he signing then? Yeah. See, I saw this. Oh, That's okay. the big question. I saw this. There are four big shortstops on the market, yeah. right? Yeah. Correa, Turner, Swanson. and um, uh, Jim Bowden with the Athletic, Bogarts. Some, Bogarts, yeah. Um, Jim Bowden with the Athletic made 25 bold predictions for Major League Baseball free agency. He did have Kenley Jansen returning to the Braves okay. on a two-year, $34 million deal. <sighs> He did sign for twenty this past year. I know, but so it was now one you're only going to pay him seventeen. I know, uh, yeah, okay. Trey Turner going to the, the no no Trey Turner going to the Angels. All right, they love big money guys. Yeah. And he, yeah. you know, he was like their nope. top four in the order will be Turner. Trout, Otani, and Rendon. Gosh, but they still, but they still haven't figured out the pitching. Okay, seventy-eight say, and, and eighty-four. That's going to be a great lineup to not make the playoffs. Yeah. Jim Bowden of the Athletic, Bowden of the Athletic, uh, had another prediction that Correa okay. will sign a ten-year deal. Oh my god, ten-year deal. All right, 
with the Chicago Cubs. Ew. Are you sure they're going to want to pay that money? They were terrible last year. You just, I guess, their cornerstone. He did have the. Around? He did have the Jacob Degrom two-year okay. contract with the Atlanta Braves. Really, and okay. opt out after year I, one. Because I thought I read that he's really enticed by the Texas Rangers. That's what Brooks was talking yeah. about on yesterday's show as well. Yeah, well we read Solid. similar things. Um, yes, we do. And then uh, Dansby Swanson, six-year deal. Okay, for six for like one forty yep. something. The Seattle Mariners. Oh, I like the Mariners. But you'd that, rather have Dansby play yeah. for the Braves. <laughs> yes, I would. You, but that. But what I'm saying is the Mariners don't spend money like that Dansby's very often. Do you think Dansby's going to play for the Braves? Okay, so two weeks ago I was a I was a resounding yes. I'm now a slight lean to yes. I still think slight yes. But every day that goes by it gets more nervy, right? Did you like see, with Freddie? Like every day that went by with Freddie, yeah. you're just like, oh, I don't. Did know. Did you see the Rizzo news? I did. Uh, Brooks showed me that couple year deal for the Yankees and Rizzo. Two for forty. So uh, the real thing for the Yankees is signing Aaron Judge. I mean, let's let's and be he, real. That was in the twenty five predictions. There was a prediction that Aaron Judge would resign. He declined now, his the qualifying Yankees. offer, didn't he? Well, yeah, but that's procedural. Yeah. No one really takes their qualifying offer. But Jock the Yankees Peterson ha- did. I would have said except. Oh, Jock did Peterson. he really? He did. Yeah. Because uh, someone else that did the it qualifying too. offer again, people are going to want to bang their heads against the wall. <laughs> but the qualifying offer is percentage of money compared. It's like the top ten percent of players what they average out earning at that position. So basically, your top five or top four player at your position, and then what does that average money look like? So Jock, I can see why it, he would take it because he is not. I repeat, he is not a top five player at his position. However, he's going to get a one-year deal that will pay him like he is. So he's going to make more money. The The only reason he would have gone to free agency, I assume the qualifying offer, I have not seen it. I could be way off. I assume the qualifying offer for him would have been around $20 million. Correct? Does I, I have that? to go back and find the figures. So I just know he did million. sign his qualifying he offer. He could probably get someone to pay him like four for 40 or three for 50, you know, 10, 15 million a year. But there's no one I don't think it would have given him 20 million in a year. Uh, Jock Peterson has accepted the qualifying offer, returned the Giants on a $19.65 million deal for 2023. I'm proud of that. I was very close there. And then um, th- there was someone else. Mar- uh, Martin Perez has accepted his qualifying offer from the Rangers for 19.65. See, again, it's a very similar figure because you're getting paid like a top whatever at your position. And so, again, Martin Perez, great. Good for him. He's not. I would never Truthfully, pay him do you know who Martin Perez is? Have you ever heard that name before? Truthfully. He's talking to Brooks. Truthfully, yeah, yes. Yeah, he's a pitcher. He's, just, he's one of their starters. Truthfully. Him? Yeah. I've never seen that name before. Really? Yeah. He's a lefty. He eats I've it really up a lot never of innings. Seen that he's okay. Name. He's I mean, he's solid pitcher. He's not. He's I'm not, not dragging yeah, him not here. He's not an ace. Exactly. He's not an ace. He's an innings eater. Be good as a number two, or probably more likely a number three. But again, to make ace money here for one did, year. Did one Did year. he pitch against the Braves in that series out in, in Arlington this year? I think he was like probably the, one of the, well, the one of the days. Brooks, how would we remember that? That's an insignificant series against the Texas Rangers. You know, if the but you don't play Texas very often. Yeah, if he, I, I at least give him the credit. That, you know, you see a team once every. Let two me or just go ahead. And, can I give you that. some more predictions from Jim Bowden from Major yeah. League Baseball oh, free like agency? Baseball. This is yeah. good. Um, the Cardinals find their catcher 
for the start of the post Yadier Molina era. It's Benji Molina. <laughs> <laughs> Sean Murphy, who they acquired in a trade from the A's. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know anything about him. Unreal. Well, any catcher that follows Yadier is going to have very tough expectations that they probably will not meet in St. Louis. Justin Verlander returns to the Astros on a three-year, $135 million oh contract, which puts him on track to pitch 20 seasons in the majors. I yeah. saw, I think Oof. it was um, Jeff Passan from ESPN compare the Astros owner to Jerry Jones. It was like, does this guy think, because they fired their GM. Right. And uh, so they were like, does this guy think he's Jerry Jones? I guess so, because, I mean, you win a World Series, you don't fire the GM. or Well, they, they, they technically they didn't fire him. They gave him a, a one-year offer. They gave him an insulting offer, which is basically <laughs> saying, I don't really want you, but we are obligated to – PR wise, not Fire. can the guy that yeah. just built the team. Explain this one to us, Ryan. Yeah. This is a prediction from Jim Bowden, again, a respected baseball reporter, writer for The Athletic. Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens are controversially elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame by the Contemporary Baseball Era Committee on December 4th, and the news blows up on sports talk shows as winter meetings get underway. <laughs> For, because we've been talking contracts, I thought you were going to say Barry Bonds or Roger Clemens signed contracts to return to the. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I wouldn't think so. Um, I I hope they get in the hall. I don't want to get in the whole spiel. I hope they get in the hall. But do you know I, much about I, I, this committee? That's one of those things is going to be. I'll see it. I'll believe it when I see it. And yeah, the committee basically is to. Here's why you know the baseball writers are pieces of trash. <laughs> Okay, because they have their own. Tell they us have, how you really feel. They have another committee to basically right the wrongs from the voting. This committee basically says, okay, well, we're going to look at this. These people that fell off these ballots. Most of the time, it's much older people. It's not about the more recent guys. It's about guys that were thirty or forty years ago. And kind of looking at the context of baseball since then and saying, actually, wait a minute, the context here says this guy needs to be in. That's really more Are what the committee okay does. Are you both of those guys get in? I just said yes okay. a, few, a minute ago. But So basically the committee just covers the tracks of the voting malpractice of all those people that, that vote for it now. Yeah, I if yeah, I think I should have a vote so I can do exactly the same amount of work that some of these clowns do and and vote for absolutely nobody. When they do that, that's frustrating. Yes, you, you get, should lose you get your vote. Frustrated by it, and and that frustrates me that you're so frustrated by it. But then, aside from that, I think about it independently as a 27 year old with a functioning brain, and I also get frustrated by. The fact that you could turn in a ballot with no one selected. I, mean, so I, I, I'll let me let me play devil's advocate here and, and defend real quick. If you turn in a ballot with nobody on it, fine. Like I, I'm not okay with that, but fine. Now, if next year someone that got onto the ballot, like this, you know, like say, you know, 2012, you know, you you vote for nobody, submit your ballot. 2013, you then put someone on your ballot that got in in 2012. That should be unacceptable. So if if you don't agree with anybody that is already on, you're already saying there, you should never vote for those people, basically. Yeah, yeah, you should not be able to vote for those people if you thought, hey, this year I'm not going to put anybody on the ballot. 
if, if you don't think they deserve this year, you don't like next year. There's no Why like what has changed. What is, they haven't played another year, right? Yeah, just some people value the luster of being first ballot, right? Like yeah. that's like amongst Hall of Famers, that is kind of a differentiating factor. Like if you're first ballot, like you're upper echelon Hall of Fame, like you're one of the game's greats. If you, I, it, well, I shouldn't even say that. you're great among greats. If you're just a four or five year in Hall of Famer, you're big time. You're obviously need to be remembered in the annals of baseball. However, you're not like top 10 player of all time. You're not one of the very, 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 very top of all time. I, that's the only way I would differentiate that. I still think, though, that it, just the premise of saying there is no one on a year, in a year that would deserve to be remembered True. just doesn't seem at face value very likely. Like there's not a single player that you think player that should be remembered for all time. I don't really buy that. And especially from some of these people that do it every single time. And then again, they, they, I just, they, no, I'm done. I won't keep going. I'm done. 25 predictions for the offseason. I love Major League Baseball free agency. Uh, Jim Bowden put this together. Let's go continue moving more, forward. It's one of the more slow burn free agencies because, like, yeah. NFL, very, yeah. NBA, it's like boom. As soon as that hits, forty eight deal, 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 deal. Yep. And baseball, it's like, hey, this guy, you know, could make you know a hundred million dollars, and he's still on a team, and it's a week before spring training. Here's another one yep. for you, Brooks. The Braves stun Mets fans when they sign Jacob Degrom on a two year, ninety million dollar deal. That includes an opt-out after Christ. year one. Would that be really a stunner to Mets fans since it's like kind of been teased yeah, all, all fair. year? Fair. It'd be, it'd be fun, though. <laughs> no one cares about salary figures more than Ryan LaVoy. <laughs> it's because he's got a business degree. Two yeah. years, $45 I mean, million, <laughs> Or two years, $90 million, 45 a year. DeGrom's awesome. He's incredible. He pitches. He's incredible. I'm not, I don't care. I'm not doing that. I won't do that. You're paying someone $45 million a year, which means they're going to make over a million per, st- per start, and you're not guaranteed that they will make all those starts because he's hurt all the damn time. No, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I hope Russell's listening. He might do that, and that's great. I'm not doing that. I will not do that. Dana Brown, vice president of scouting with the Braves, is hired to be the new general manager of the Detroit Tigers. Well, I thought if you were going to say for the Braves, I would say, no, double A's gone. <laughs> the Red Sox. Because he gave DeGrom 45 million. <laughs> he pitched 12 times. That's why. <laughs> the Red Sox finally wake up and sign Rafael Devers to a 10 year, $300 million extension. The, no, go ahead. The Red Sox, I will say this, and. Uh, you know, this is coming from a guy that his second favorite team is the Yankees, meaning he loathes the Boston Red Sox. The Red Sox need to quit acting like the Tampa Bay Rays. Okay, they need to start paying their players. And look, I love Tampa too, but Tampa has financial limitations. Oakland Athletics have financial limitations. Miami Marlins have some financial limitations because they get like eight people to every game. The Red Sox need to the Red Sox need to quit acting like they're not a big market team. They are a big market team. They're one of the five, on, most, five most famous franchises in baseball. They need to act like it and pay pay Bogarts and Devers. There's just, no excuse for I that. I was going to say, you may get to it here in a minute, but I saw one article the other day where they were predicting Bogarts was re-signed with the Red Sox. Uh, Liverpool is up for sale. And that, that Fenway Sports in, Group. That yeah, brings in cash. And, pay somebody. Well, Fenway Sports Group is about to make a massive, massive run at, at the, the Washington Fe- Commanders. Oh, really? Yeah. I thought... 
I thought their play is to come with LeBron and, and try and be the Vegas NBA franchise that's inevitably going to happen here in the next decade or so. They could jump in with that, but they're going to try and go once Dan Snyder gets all this settled. I guess it, it, it wouldn't Here's the next Red it. Sox prediction, though. I was I was going to say, how do you think Boston fans would feel that the t- the people that own the Red Sox would then own a, an NFL team that competes against their NFL team, and vice versa, if they went the NBA route? Wouldn't care one lick. I don't know. Boston fans are pretty passionate. I, I think if it was a rival, they would care. That, right? That's why like, I started like, okay, I yeah. stop for a second uh-huh. because I'm like, well, the Commanders yeah. and the Patriots aren't, re- aren't in the same division. Can you appreciate yeah. what I said a little bit earlier? You said earlier thing, or said a lot of things earlier. What, which thing in particular? <laughs> Speaking about the Commanders, uh-huh. that through ten weeks of the NFL season, yeah, the NFC East has Every, the greatest yeah. combined record because no one's in the history of the National Football League, and you see, and they here's are typically the, thing, the NFC least. Here's the here's the great thing about this too. I feel confident about one of those teams going to the Super Bowl. I, I, I haven't worded this well. I've already realized this. I don't feel a lick of confidence about any of those teams going to the Super Bowl. And that's the outstanding thing about this too. <laughs> Why the NFC is so wide open right. with with mediocre teams because I I don't I'm sorry. Am I supposed to be confident that the Dallas Cowboys, the most dramatic franchise in the NFL by a, a ton is going to go to the Super Bowl? Am I I'm sorry. Am I supposed to be confident that a court Daniel Jones is going to lead a team to the <laughs> Super Bowl? And then I'm sorry. I know the Eagles are 8 and 1, but Am I supposed to be confident that a team that just lost at home to the Commanders that has not really played any of the top teams out there, or at least like one, they've had like one big game this year? Am I supposed to be confident that the ruler of Daniel Jones and the Dramatic Cowboys that they're the team that's going to the Super Bowl? No. When every year they hype their roster up as a top five roster, and then they inevitably underperform, got slammed in the playoffs with the same team essentially last year. Just saying. Let's get back. I don't feel confident. All uh, right, back to baseball. All right, Rafael Devers, 10 years, 300-plus to the Red Sox. But Xander Bogarts heads to Philly. The Phillies oh. sign him on a seven-year, $196 million contract. A year and move Bryson Stott to second base, have Bogarts play shortstop. I mean, a good move for the Phillies. I'm going to say Braves fans' only hope is he just does what Bryce Harper did the first couple years of his Correa, contract. Correa, 10 years, $327 million to the Cubs. These financial figures, I mean, I just... Aaron Judge, the American League MVP, this should be good. returns yeah. to the Yankees on an eight-year, $330 million deal. Okay. I Look, it's the Yankees. They should bring every Brinks truck in the state of New York <laughs> up to the and New Jersey. to Aaron Judge. I mean, uh, there's, again, like I said with the Red Sox, same thing with the Yankees. There's no excuse for you. George Steinbrenner would have had this deal done before the World Series had ended. So the, there's just no reason not to get him this done. And he would have backed all the Brinks trucks up to yes. the stadium. And uh, then he would have stolen someone else's best player. Because <laughs> that's who George Steinbrenner was. The Angels are finally sold and Theo Epstein is named president and CEO of the team. He gets back into baseball ops. That'd be a good for move. A team. Who would want to be the president of an L.A. team that <laughs> has shockingly low expectations compared to what they've – or shocking low, low expectations because of what they've been the last decade? The Padres swoop in and sign first baseman Anthony Rizzo to a three-year deal, beating out the Yankees for the three-time All-Star. I would like to uh, – to That bring, one was wrong. I would like to bring that one to the court's <laughs> attention. It's false. The Mariners signed Dansby Swanson 
to a six-year, $154 million deal and move him to second base, leaving J.P. Crawford at shortstop. The speaker recognizes the representative, Ryan LaVoy. See, why on God's green earth would you rather pay $45 million for DeGrom when I can spend $45 million combined to get Swanson and Jansen? You see what I'm saying? Like, what do you really? I know, that's do you really want the Grom? So this is the thing: we're not going to get both. You don't think there's no way no, that all is. three of those? No, no way. The Braves would have the top three payroll in baseball. So if they do it. I'm. I'm not saying. Do, I'm just saying they're not you, going to do that. To, like they're not going to do ownership that. groups. They own Formula One. I'm going to say the, the thing about it is though it, they it's, print money. You lead Liberty Media people. I'm going to say it's Liberty Media. It, it is a group and it's not an individual. If there's like George Steinbrenner, it's an individual owning it. They're going to pay. Like there's boom. We're it's, but it's a, it's yeah. a group of people that has. Let's all buy the it, team. All right. Let's all buy All right, I got 10 bucks right now. I what think what I, does that get me? I think right now... Not even a seat into a game. I've got some cash, fellas. Yeah? yeah I do have some cash on me. i got some cash, too. I've got Hold some on. cash on me. Hopefully, uh, Drew, who's running the board right now, has got some cash, too, because well, we're going to need a not, lot of cash. Brand, go Branson the lobby. You got some cash, too, I got two 20s. Two 20s. I got two 20s. That's what I'm working with right now. I have $20. All right, Brant's got $20. We're going to get all the way up to $100. Up to 60 What do you got, Brooks? 34 You have 34 That's a Bo Jackson amount right there. How much I can't do the math that fast 94 i 94. think is what we're at yeah you got any cash drew my pockets are empty oh great i uh, got a five we got basically a hundred dollars okay so, we got it we sa- got it say sales manager wendy uh has chimed in she's got three 20s in her wallet if she wants she all right come in on we're all the so. way up to like 159 we now. could buy the braves yeah that could get us a jersey and pay the money to uh to get all our <laughs> players back <laughs> Uh, you you could get a jersey and in the back of it you could say owner. <laughs> you get a custom made jersey and then you can say you own we the team. We could all yeah. share it. Um, but uh, again, I just I can't get behind. I still have more predictions that are going to blow I, your mind. Well, okay, fine, keep going. Then I don't want to be too hung up on one thing. The yeah, Rays finally out. resolved their stadium situation, a development oh, that solidifies the team's presence in Tampa St. Pete market for decades. Please. They they need that. I don't want that team to leave Tampa, especially not to go to Montreal like they were threatening to do. And really it's just about for people down there it's about the land, okay? Cuz already Florida property taxes are out the butt. There are so many it is so expensive just to own land in the state of Florida and so Land is precious. It's a very, very populated area, Tampa, St. Pete, Clearwater area. St. Petersburg does not care about that team as much as the city of Tampa could end up caring about that team because the Lightning have no problem. Everyone loves the Lightning. Bucks are not one of the more prestigious NFL franchises, but they still put butts in seats for those games. So if you put it, I know they're looking at land in uh, Ybor City, uh, which is over there uh, near the water. Um they that that is so needed for them because my because here's the difference in Tampa and Miami. Tampa there's there's the capacity to care about the race. Miami doesn't give a crap, and part of that's about their owner because every time they got good, they sold the entire team. So the owner kind of did it to the to the own franchise. But you look at Miami attendance, University of Miami. Uh, you, you look at the the Dolphins when they're even just okay like they're getting more popular now because they're good this year you look at the miami heat people leave early all the time barely come to those games miami people just don't care a lot about their franchises but there is at least a capacity to care in tampa with the facility is not a dump drew do you agree yeah they i like the trap i've been a couple times um but it's not sustainable if you want to 
build the team, build, I guess, the audience around the team. It has something has to change, and it's more than likely going to be the stadium. Let's keep it going. Predictions for Major League Baseball's offseason. Uh, Major League Baseball, you go first on this one, Brooks. Announces right. expansion for the 2025 season. Nashville and Las Vegas land new teams, extending Major League Baseball to 32 Is, cities. Okay, so they land new teams, so nobody's moving. So that means the A's stay in Oakland and don't move to Los Angeles. 32 teams. Or to, to Las Vegas. Um, so... I like the the Vegas one. I just don't know if, if Nashville's big enough to support a Major League Baseball franchise. Like, I think Vegas would do fine because I, the Raiders have been accepted really well and the um, the the Knights have done really well. But I just don't know if Nashville's would be would be big enough. They've got a Triple A baseball team there, uh, but I don't know if they would be able to. They would be Charlotte's big been to mentioned it. about a Major League Baseball team before, both Charlotte and Nashville. And well, both have AAA teams. Yeah. And both have other professional franchises. I would have said the, the Nationals got a hockey and a and a football team. And then but Charlotte's got a football and NBA. NBA is much bigger than hockey. I don't know. And both teams also have MLS teams. Yeah. Or both so, cities. Here's my here's my thing. Oh boy. I, I can I can see Nashville. Okay, I just did some crack research and I just want to tell you your Na- phone's the, turned sideways. Yeah, well, yeah. I, yeah. Nashville you typically don't do that. Yeah, well, I mean, look at the it wasn't working for me, and I yeah. Uh, Nashville sounds were fourth in AAA attendance. They averaged seventy six hundred a game last year. My only argument for Nashville is that it is a growing city, like it is well known to be a growing southern city, and you know they are investing a lot of money in that city right now. They're about to build a a brand new football. Uh, stadium for the Titans, which they hope to host Super Bowls with and really be state-of-the-art. So they're about to pump a lot of money in there. The Predators are a well-attended, well-liked franchise in Nashville. I think Nashville's growing. I can I can see that. What, I, what Brooks brought up, though, is the important thing there is, yeah, Oakland not being the team that's moving. Because I'm with you. I, I thought that, that if you read what people are saying – that feels inevitable. Even Rob Manfred, the uh, you know terrible commissioner of Major League Baseball, is going upon the earth. Quoted as saying, and I don't. Is this inappropriate? By the way, did we ever talk about this? That the 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 sitting commissioner of Major League Baseball, who is a fraud, said that. To say if it came out of his mouth, it's probably he, inappropriate. <laughs> said that he th- expects Oakland to end up moving. He said that. The commissioner said that, that he expects them to move. So if that's the case, I would have thought, Brooks, that, that they would they would be moving to Las Vegas. There wouldn't be a new entry there. Do you know the the there's a franchise uh, that I think that would have a would have a problem with Nashville beginning an organization? And I think that's the Atlanta Braves. Because that Nashville and Tennessee is still very much Braves country. And they, they wouldn't want to lose that. That's why I was terrified of TV. Charlotte, Bra- uh, Brooks. Yeah. Like, don't bring that into my life. Okay, I don't need you to don't be conflicted. You don't want a major league franchise Correct. in Charlotte. Correct. I'm, or I'm in Braves country in Charlotte, North Carolina. I, but to say, the, does Tennessee overlap with Cincinnati or uh, and, or St. Louis? I don't remember which one. There's one TV market that they overlap with, either Cincinnati or St. Louis. Um, one of you're, them. You're saying you're saying the state of Tennessee is gets Cardinals games. Yeah, or gets, yeah. Uh, maybe the western part of Tennessee gets the Cardinals games. That I would make see sense. That. Out of Memphis. So, but, yes, because I unless it's not true anymore, the Memphis Redbirds were the AAA yeah. affiliate for and, the Cardinals. And I say this this doesn't affect it, but the the Brewers are the is the who the Sounds AAA is. 
um, at the Nashville Sounds. So I, I think the Braves may have a problem with that Nashville team. Maybe the Cardinals would too because of that TV market money. Well, let me ask you this. All right. What about the Tennessee Smokies? They're Who do they belong to? Cubs. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds right. So what Cubs. do you think about the Cubs? Well, they're not in that TV market. But what if they are? But that's double A too. Yeah, that's not double. As, that's not as big. But they have WGN. Yeah, but WGN's not as big as it was early back in the days either, unless Turner was too. But it used to be. It used to be huge. That's why the Braves and the and the Cubs are like national brands, even though they're not like you know the big brands of baseball is because they had the tv i got a couple of more i got a couple couple of more even though i love the relocation stuff because that's so much money moving around that's so impactful i mean changes the dynamic teams have to give up some of their players the new new kids on the three more three more kenley jansen back to the braves two years 34 million make it happen that guy's electric like uh, need him to close second in major league baseball in saves this year 41 saves this past season, bring them back. I was watching the wrong. Pay games. him the monies. It felt like every time I turned a Braves game on, he was on. He blew the blow the lead. So I just need to not watch it when he's pay pitching. him the monies. Another two year, thirty four million dollar deal. Jose Abreu leaves the Chicago White Sox, heads to the American League Eastern Division, Orioles, Blue and Jays. signs with the Tampa Bay Rays. Oh, that, that would, would be <laughs> one of the first times. <laughs> yeah, but I say that Abreu can hit some home runs now. You know, there was that weird chatter that Tampa was in on Freddie Freeman last year, that they had at least made an offer and there was some interest there. And I don't know if you want to you want to add something, Drew. Yeah. I just that would have set them back financially for years. <laughs> years. There there's not the money to there do would that been, in the franchise. They would have been well, they would have been playing at George Steinbrenner Field uh-huh. to afford him. Because I, I think that Is that a spring it, training park? Yeah, no, that's the uh, single A affiliate, the Tampa the, the, the Tampa Tarpons play there, the single affiliate of the New York Yankees, and that's where the Yankees have spring training. In the same area? Yeah, George Steinbrenner Field is right across the street from Raymond James Stadium. You could walk through like, it. There's like four uh, major league spring training facility areas right around Tampa. I was, water. But uh, now that I say that and I think about it, the Braves have the Gwinnett Stripers, and that's essentially the same thing. No. You know? What do you mean? With how close in proximity they are. I mean, but they're affiliated together. Yeah, what are you doing? We're, we're talking about joking that the Tampa Bay Rays are going to have to rent from the Yankees to play in their single A park to afford yeah. these players. So the Tampa Tarpons yeah. are the single A of the, the Yankees? New York Yankees. Yeah, yeah. Well, that be, is stupid. They used to be the Why? Tampa Yankees, but now all, you know, all the minor league baseball teams are changing their names to fun stuff. And so the Tampa Yankees changed their name to the Tampa Tarpons. Like Jacksonville's the jumbo shrimp now. You still don't. Simmons. You still don't have a minor league affiliate that is like named in the same city as the one. But I'm, I was talking about minor league teams that are in your same city as your professional team, because the Stripers are right there for the Braves. I mean, yeah. Gwinnett's a suburb. I know, but like, but what's wrong? I I'm saying I've, I've accepted. Are you are you having trouble accepting this dynamic? No. Sounded like you were. You, I don't you were, know. I don't know. I'm confused. All right, but. Uh, but I, w- I do want to add, though, the, oh. The, oh, oh. the Rays spent a lot of money locking up Wander Franco long-term, and I'm wondering if the Rays are going to start spending week. a little bit more money if they get a new ballpark. They might invest a little Drew more. Drew brought this up just last week with Wander Franco and uh, Tyler Glasnow, and Tyler Glasnow has been in some rumors over the last week or so. Yeah, we, we pay one good contract, and then uh, 
they get paid a lot more money that we can't afford to get them <laughs> somewhere else. Uh, last prediction for the offseason. The Padres announced that Juan Soto will move to left field. Fernando Tatis Jr. will move to right field, freeing up shortstop for Han Song Kim. I couldn't see okay. Tatis in the outfield. That that uh, yeah, mentally, I can't quite picture that. Although one day, though, because he's already getting injured a lot, I can see him break his body breaking down a little quicker, and him might necessitating a DH role or corner outfield role. Free agency predictions for Major League Baseball. You guys want to do some birthdays? Always. I always love celebrating birthdays. All right, here we go. It's time for Birthdays in Sports. It's time for today's Birthdays in Sports. Birthdays in Sports here today on November 15th of 2022. Sponsored by our good friends at Max Credit Union. Allow Max Credit Union to help you with all of your banking needs. Two locations in the area. One in Auburn on Gay Street and one in Opelika on Frederick Road. Let's get to Birthdays in Sports, Brooks. I've been suspended from the Nightly TV Guide, so I've been relegated to the Birthdays in Sports segment. So let's start out in the NFL world. Turning 28 years old today is an NFL wide receiver for the Cincinnati Bengals. Tyler Boyd is turning 28, played three years of college football at Pittsburgh. Go Panthers. Two-time first-team All-ACC, drafted 55th overall in the second round of the 2016 NFL Draft by the Bengals, has been with Cincinnati his whole NFL career. Tyler Boyd turning 28 years old. Also turning 26 years old today in the NFL is a free agent place kicker, Austin Seibert. Played four years of college football at Oklahoma, Boomer, Sooner. Record for most career points by a kicker in FBS history with 499, first-team All-Big 12 in 2018. A Big 12 Special Teams Player of the Year in 2018, drafted 170th overall in the fifth round of the 2019 NFL Draft by the Cleveland Browns. Also played with Bengals Lions. It was a PFWA All-Rookie Team in 2019. Austin Seibert turning 26 years old. And then another NFL birthday, your final NFL birthday for today, turning 29 as an NFL defensive end for the San Francisco 49ers, Eric Armstead. That's Eric with an A, A-R-I-K, if you're looking for that spelling. Played three years of Is college football. Is that Eric football. Jones as well in NASCAR? No. He He's E-R-I-K. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he played college football at, not Eric Jones, Eric Armstead. Played college football at Oregon. Go Ducks. You guys remember Eric Ibar? Yeah. And how he spelled it? E-R-I-C-K? I-C-K. Yeah, very good, Brooks. Yeah. A little bit of both. But this place. is Eric Armstead. <laughs> That's right. A-R-I-K. Yeah. Draft number 17, or 17th overall. By the 49ers. That would have worked out the math. Uh, in the 2015 NFL draft, has been a San Francisco his whole career. So happy birthday, A R I K Armstead. Who's more significant of those NFL birthdays? Tyler Boyd, Austin Seibert, or Eric Armstead? Tyler Boyd. I like kickers. Armstead's kicker. good, but I still think Boyd. Giving it to Tyler Boyd. All right, birthdays in sports. Who's next? Uh, going to the NBA world now, turning 27 years old as an NBA power forward for the Minnesota Timberwolves, Carl. Hyphen Anthony Towns. Who? Carl Hyphen Anthony Towns. Who? I think he's doing a bit. Oh, sorry. Cat! Played one year of college basketball at Kentucky. Go Big Blue. First team all SEC in 2015 and SEC freshman of the year also that year in 2015. Drafted first How did their team do that year? Uh, Don't answer. Don't answer. Move on. Keep going. He was drafted overall by the Timberwolves in the uh, first overall by the Timberwolves in the 2015 NBA draft. Three-time All-Star. NBA Rookie of the Year in 2016. Did he win the National Championship? NBA All-Rookie Team in 2016. (laughs) And a two-time All-NBA third 
teamer. Surely he won the national championship as the number one overall pick. Carl Anthony Towns turning 27 years Surely. old. Surely. Keep pushing, Brooks. He won the number one. Did a great job. In baseball wow. birthdays. Wow. He lost in the final four. Duke yep. National Champions 2015. MLB second baseman and shortstop for the Boston Red Sox. Trevor Story is turning 30 years old. Yeah. He was drafted out of high school. Tell for, me a good story. 40, 45th overall in the first round of the 2011 MLB draft by the Rockies. No one, everybody applauds Ryan when he comes up with these amazing puns in the sports world. It's just everyone loves it. You say Trevor Story. I say tell me a good story. His last name is Story. I'm trying to be punny. And I don't. No one cares. Made his MLB debut with the Rockets wow! in 2016. Signed with the Red Sox in 2022. Two-time All-Star, two-time Silver Slugger Award winner, and the NL stolen bases leader in 2020. Trevor Story turning 30. He had an electric start with the Rockies. Yeah. Like he. he home, what, what was it? Was like. Don't care. Ten games in a row he homered or something like. It was it, nine and nine games. Your mic's off. Yeah. You're no. good. Nine Say that again for us. There, there we go, nine Drew. Nine, Still learning. That's what it was. Nine and nine Love games. Love it. He, he had a lot of runs batted in this year for Boston when he's healthy, but um, did not stay healthy all the year. Also turning 30 Is years old. Is that the story on Trevor's story? See, Brooks. Wait, no, I think it said story. Is that the story on Trevor's story? Is that the story on Trevor's Brooks, story? Do you, wanna, do you want me to tell the people and you a little, you know, a little known fact about JJ? Yeah, the guy go ahead. Just speaking. Yeah, go ahead. You know, he was talking about name spellings and, and stuff earlier, and I think people need to realize that JJ. One of his favorite things is when you, when you're spelling JJ, if you go like <laughs> oh, no. Big J, Little J. No, he really loves no. that. And I think everyone <laughs> that is start false to information. I think that means what? What's our email? Sports call at gmail.com or something? Or that tiger.fm? Correct. It's sports call at the tiger.fm? Correct. Hey, folks, if you want to send us an email, title it Big J Little J to sports call. And don't go lowercase j, capital J. Don't go J A Y, J A Y. No, Big J Little J. Just capital J, capital J. Yeah, capital J. Throw one period in yeah. there, but not the no, other, no, other name. Yeah. No. Put it at the beginning. That's clever. Who's next? Turning 30 years old as well today is a MLB pitcher for the MLB or for the uh, Minnesota Twins. Let Ryan guess who it is. What? what? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Ryan, guess I wanted the you pitch. to stop, Ryan. I wanted you to say, Ryan, what pitcher has yeah. a birthday today yeah, in Major Ryan, League Baseball? What pitcher for the, for the Twins? I wasn't even going to give him a team. <laughs> Good grief. Dylan Bundy. Happy sure. birthday to Dylan Bundy. Yeah. yeah. He's drafted out of high school with the fourth overall pick of the 2011 MLB draft by the Orioles. Made his MLB debut with the Orioles in 2012. Also played with the Angels and now with the Twins. Dylan Bundy turning 30 years old. I would have said Jose Barrios, so I would have been wrong <laughs> telling myself there. You, you would have gotten the last name correct. Or not the correct. First, the letter, first letter, yeah. And then turning 29 years old in the soccer world as a soccer forward for Roma and the Argentinian national team, Paulo Diabala. He spent seven years with Juventus before signing with Roma in 2022, a five-time Serie A winner in the Italian League. Uh, four-time Coppa Italia winner in Serie A, uh, most valuable player in 2019 and 2020. What are you doing? His goal celebration. Oh. He uh, poses like this. That's clever. If anyone could see you. Yeah. Happy birthday. Us. We posted a picture of him doing this on our okay. uh, social media right. feeds. Happy birthday out there. AU. Tyler Boyd, Austin Seibert, Eric A-R-I-K Armstead, <laughs> Carl-Anthony Towns, Trevor Story, Dylan Bundy, Paolo Diabala, and of course... It's your birthday. Happy birthday to you. November 15th, 2022. Birthdays in sports. All right. Let's talk college football for a moment before the end of the hour. 
Auburn defeats Texas A&M by a score of 13-10. to Tonight, we'll see more college football playoff rankings released. I thought you were going to go into a Maction talk because there is Maction on tonight. No, I was really excited. Um, TCU, number four in the country, knocks off Texas. Not really knocks off Texas because they were ranked higher, but... You know, Could I still use defeat. that? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I want to I'm, challenge your thinking. Right. I don't think knocks off in sports is referred to strictly when talking upsets. I, that's how I've always dubbed it. It's like, you're, this team is higher up than you, so I'm knocking them off their pedestal. That's a fair argument. Uh, yeah, just keep going. Can we both be yeah. right? You don't you like can, when we, we argue can, over we minimal things. Right. right, exactly. I think both sides are valid. Okay. I, at least Texas is ranked, so or you could you say were, knocks them off, as in they're they're also ranked. You can off I, the rankings. I'm going to say I, I guess if if Texas if or if, if a team is favored in the game and you and gonna, Texas was favored, okay, well, as then, Austin wisely pointed out, they were at home. They were at home, yeah. Again, I'm fine either way. Please, what was your point in this? <laughs> yeah, keep going. That they stayed undefeated and they okay. were number four in the country, and we're going to have more playoff rankings. Are they going to continue to be a top four team? Yeah, I don't see how they fall after that. I know Tennessee was impressive against Missouri, but you beat a top twenty-five team on the road. I know it was an ugly game, you know, in terms of what you guys think of the drama in the Tennessee-Missouri game with Josh Heupel running the score up and creating sixty-six twenty-eight. Continued to call pass plays Uh uh, in the fourth quarter. Do you care? I, I'm fine with it. I don't care one bit, but it's a I'm, big deal, apparently. I, I'm, I mean, I don't think it was necessarily running up the score, but like the what you did the week before with that Georgia game and you got like embarrassed at Georgia, I think you kind of had to do it to let the, the committee know, like, hey, this, our offense you know, could do something still. We're still, still. here. Yeah. So it's like, I don't mind it. You don't mind? No. Yeah. You know, I, here's the thing. Milton, Milton, the backup, only threw three passes. Okay. I know one of them was for a touchdown, but he didn't go chuck it 15 times. Um, you know, th- this they are very aware that the committee gr- grades them on how you look. Yeah. And, I, you know, it's not ever going to be a bad thing. It might be a bad thing from a sportsmanship-wise, but it's never going to be a bad thing resume-wise to win by more points. <laughs> I mean, it's just not. And so I know they had a rushing touchdown with under a minute left, um, but but the committee grades you on how you look, and Tennessee is not in a position where they control their own destiny. They're just not. I mean, because they, they're, they're going to need to fight off someone like USC, right, when USC wins the, the Pac-12, if they win the Pac-12, not win, if they win the Pac-12 championship as a one-loss team. They're going to have to fight off perception against them. Do you them. think they're one of the top four teams in the country? And they're going to have to fight off the loser of Ohio State-Michigan. Are they one yeah. of the four best teams in the country? I believe so, yes. Brooks? I think they're. I don't think they're a top four team. I think they're a top five or six team, but I don't think they're Tennessee a top four team. Tennessee is not a top four team in the country. So you think they would I, lose to Michigan, I wa- Ohio State, I watched, what they, I watched in person what Georgia did to them, and I think Ohio State would do the same thing to them. I think Michigan would beat them. I don't think they'd do the same thing. And is I, Michigan for real? I mean... I don't know. I mean, I Georgia's defense, though, is far superior to, it, to Michigan see, and Michigan, Ohio State, I feel like. Michigan, is, it, it's Georgia... It is Ohio State, and then I think there's a big gap to Michigan, and then everybody else falls below it. I think we've got ourselves a lot of conversations to be had in the final hour of the program. I'm really looking forward to that. I hope you have fun. Because Tennessee, one of the four best teams in the country.
Georgia, one of the four best teams in the country. Auburn, statement. not one of the four best teams in the country, but we still love them the most. All right, we've reached the end of the second hour of our show. When we come back, one hour left. A lot of fun here on a Wednesday alongside the ever-incredible Brooks Monroe Childress, the outstanding Ryan Lavoy, and our great board op, Drew Behenna. I'm JJ Jackson. Two hours of the books, and we're rolling. Two hours of sports call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call getting started today on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson here inside the studio. Uh, my main colleague today on the program is my good pal Ryan Lavoy. Also with us, our board op today, Drew Behenna, taking over and taking your phone calls, 334-887-3401. And then our musical chairs continue, Brant Daughtry, with us here in the final hour of Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. So a lot of exciting things that we want to do here on the program today. Still want to tell you about our sports call player of the week. We had birthdays in sports a little bit earlier. We'll have a nightly TV guide at the very end of the show. But we're continuing to react to the Auburn football win over Texas A&M. The energy inside the stadium surrounding head coach Cadillac Williams. And then we're talking about this coaching search. Golly, is the internet talking about this coaching search for Auburn football. So let's do that here in the final hour. Uh, we got to hear from Brant on yesterday's program along with uh, Cam Berry and Tom Peavy. Brant, you weren't on yesterday's program as well. I just I was uh, In my head, I was like, yeah, I was looking at your face the whole time, but I guess I it wasn't was Brooks's actually. Face. It was Brooks's face. It was face. Brooks's face. Brooks and I look kind of similar, except I have facial hair. Brooks <laughs> right. Um, will you? Yes. And then Ryan as well, because I didn't hear from him yesterday. I did not hear from you yesterday on the show, correct? Well, I did not say words. Okay. No. I just wanted to make sure I got that right, at least. Uh, atmosphere, Jordan Hare Stadium, Saturday. Talk mm. to me. Well, so unfortunately, I was, not, I was right. not able to That's attend right. the game. <laughs> I was uh, at a wedding in Atlanta. I left the game about I, I left the wedding about 20 minutes before the game started to drive back to Auburn. So I was able to listen to the game uh, on my way back, and it, it sounded loud, man. Yeah. Dead gummit. It sounded as dude. As I totally energetic. thought you were there, but then it's no, like, no, I remember no, you were at a wedding. I was not there. My family was there, and you saw all the video clips after. I the did fact, see all the video clips. I actually recorded the game and went back and watched it after it was over. Did you arrive? From Atlanta? You said Atlanta, right? Yeah, it, it, Buford, which is 20 minutes north of Atlanta. So you got back to Auburn prior to the game finishing? Yeah, I got back uh, about midpoint of the third quarter. And did you pick up live watching there? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Okay. Absolutely, I did. Uh, and it was awesome. I mean, I, I was able to see uh, what Colby Wooden's game-winning strip sack, essentially. That was baller. Uh, that, that was a pretty amazing play, and... It, <laughs> I swear I was like watching it in slow motion because you saw him get the jump off the ball and I thought he was way off sides. He wasn't. He just timed the snap perfectly. Uh, and then watching him just run the circle around that tackle uh, and just 
you could see him coming clean at a guy who had yeah. no idea he was there, and you think, um, he's about to cut this dude in half. Uh, and sure enough, you know, came down perfectly on the ball and got the strip side. Morris Joseph Jr., a guy who's been getting more run uh, lately than he has for the rest of the season, recovers the fumble. He 91, right? 91, yeah. yeah. He played great in this game. I believe he's another Memphis transfer. Uh, came over this year following Marcus Harris. So a, a really, really good showing, and... The environment was awesome. Uh, Cadillac in that suit was incredible. Cadillac after the game was awesome. It, it was it was so cool to watch. Uh, the fans, it, apathy had kind of taken over. Yeah. Um, it, it, during the Brian Harson era, uh, because things just weren't working. I've said it before. If you win, people love you. If you don't, people are going to want you gone. Uh, and. Brian Harson was losing, so apathy took over for sure. And people wanted him and gone. And people wanted him gone, and people weren't showing up, and there was no excitement, and the football team was losing. That's the worst part of it. Uh, but immediately when you named Cadillac the interim, things started to change. And finally you got to see the culmination of that excitement that was back at Auburn. I mean, you had I th- you had 30-something four- and five-stars at this game uh, just watching this environment between two teams that were three and six each. It combined six wins in the beginning of November. This that's that's not normal. That is not normal. You hear people talk about all the time. Auburn is different, man. And it, look, the whole family thing it gets made fun of a lot, and rightfully so. People pull it out way too much. But then you have things like this, where you go, man, this does not happen everywhere. This would not happen everywhere else. Auburn is different. Auburn is special. And Saturday showed that. And whoever the next head coach is, and I, I think I know who it's going to be. Sure. Uh, and I'm sure we'll talk about that over the next hour. Sure. Whoever that is, is walking into an absolute gold mine. I think so. I'm excited. Me I'm too. excited for I'm who excited. that next Look, coach could be. It, Cadillac Williams said it in his postgame interview. Auburn football is going to be all right. It ain't dead, Auburn baby. Auburn football's not dead. It's not going anywhere. Yeah. Auburn football's going to be just fine. Speak from the heart, Caddy. That's exactly Love what he's doing. I, I, I don't think he's going to end up being the next head coach. Right. Um, and I, I don't think he's done enough to earn that. But he is certainly, you know, he's earned a lot of respect from me yeah. uh, as a coach, as a man. I'd run through a wall for Cadillac Williams. I'd go to war for that, man. Uh, Ryan, sources tell me you were not at a wedding on Saturday. <laughs> sources being him. Confirmed. Okay. You were at the Auburn football game. Correct. Okay. What did you think? Yeah, I think the beginning of the game, the build-up to it uh, was was incredible. I think you saw uh, the best atmosphere under, uh, you know, certainly this year. I won't say necessarily, you know, the last year's Iron Bowl was obviously big as well. But, you know, I think that the the lead-up to it and the beginning of the game was awesome. Uh, I do think it, it waned a little bit uh, because of the cold temperatures. and Boy, did uh, it. You Golly. had a lot of people leave at halftime over there on the on the visiting side, which there were not many Texas A&M fans over there, so there they were some Auburn people leaving. But, you know, uh, the upper deck on the visiting side got to only about half full uh, by midway through the third quarter. But, you know, I think still overall you had uh, a really good environment and you saw how much it meant to obviously Cadillac Williams, but then the players as well. They were celebrating with the students. The student section was great all game, and you saw a lot of celebrate celebrating afterwards. And you know, I mean, that's 
you needed a moment like that for if you're Auburn and all the build up to it to if you had not won, it would have been disappointing. It wouldn't really meant much for the season because still ultimately provided that Auburn loses to Alabama, you're not going to a bowl game. You still have to fire your head coach, still looking for a head coach. So not much uh, structurally would have changed, but it still was a, a nice uh, nice victory to have given the amount of uh, intensity poured into it and amount of attention poured into it. Ryan, give me 75 seconds on the uh, on the change at kicker for Auburn. We saw the, the collegiate debut of Alex McPherson. Yeah, so I think that with Honors <laughs> Carlson... He started a timer. With Honors Carlson, yeah, you were particular. Honors uh, Carlson is, is someone that had been in Auburn a long time, obviously, but he just was not the same guy after the injury. And I think to begin with, remember, you're coming to a place where, if you're being honest with yourself, Daniel was better. Honors had the leg similar to Daniel. However, he was not making those 50-plus yard field goals that Daniel used to be able to make. And so Honors was always having accuracy issues from those deep field goals. And so this year, you take that and apply it, and now he was starting to miss some shorter field goals too. Uh, missed that one in, in, in overtime in Mississippi State game. Uh, missed, missed several field goals this year. And so – you know this was his last year, so you wanted to see Alex McPherson start to get these reps. I mean, he's going to be the kicker unless something weird happens next year. And he's obviously the brother of a, another really great kicker in Evan McPherson, went to Florida and now kicks for the Bengals. And so there's a lot of potential there to, again, continue the legacy of these Auburn kickers. And so you absolutely wanted to see what Alex McPherson uh, had in mind. You got anything on McPherson? Uh how? That was 75 seconds. Yeah, wow. That's pretty incredible. Um, <laughs> yeah. Good job. Look, that's what you wanted. You know, look, a lot of respect to, to Anders Carlson. Like like Ryan said, he's been here a while. He's been good. He hasn't been as good as Daniel was, but he was consistent from inside of, uh, I'd say, 45 maybe. If you got him at less than 50 yards, you felt pretty confident until this year. And look, nobody is the same after tearing an ACL. JJ, you, you've torn your ACL. I never have. You can speak to it better. But in the, my experience from watching people, watching athletes who tear that ACL, have an injury. I wish you saw me before, <laughs> and then you could speak to what you watch with me right. post-ACL repair. Well, either way, you can come back. You can participate. I mean, look at Ronald Acuna Jr. this year. Yeah. He's another good example. You can come back, you can play at a high level, but you are just not yourself for at least a year. It, it takes two years to come back to 100% from, a, from an injury that severe, and even though you can come back and be a part of something, you're not going to be who you were until you let it heal a little bit further. So I think Anders, he, may, he might have a shot in the league. I don't think, it's going, I don't think he's going to, to last very long, honestly. I hope I'm wrong in that. Um, if he does heal up, then he might have a shot. But the fact that he just hasn't been very good this year. He hasn't been able to put it out of the back of the end zone like he used to. He started missing the short stuff. He couldn't make from 40 anymore. Uh, and look, McPherson, he missed a 54-yarder, but he had the leg for it. Yeah. I don't think we can trust Anders Carlson to kick a ball 54 yards right now. So you're not going to burn McPherson's red shirt. He's, he's only got – you've only got three games left at most. Um, and that's if you win a miraculous Iron Bowl. Uh, and which I'll go ahead and say I don't think Auburn's going to. Um, 
So you've got a chance to get McPherson out there, get him some real game experience, and you don't burn his redshirt year. And look, kickers very rarely yeah. leave a year early, so you're not going to lose a year of a guy who hopefully will be a generational kicker. You get to start, you get to develop him in games a little bit faster, uh, and hopefully this is fast tracking McPherson to becoming what we all think he can be. And Auburn had Evan McGuire handling the kickoffs. Yes. But Alex McPherson handling. Well, McPherson the, uh, uh, McPherson kicked the first kickoff, didn't he? I mean, he I kicked know. it out of bounds. I don't know. I believe so. Yeah. Okay. I think, and then they and went then to they the they switched platform. to Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He kicked it. Okay. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Opening okay. kickoff was McPherson, and he kicked it out of bounds, and that's when they Not in the wide. good way. Not like I hit it out of the back no, of the no, no, no. I kicked it as in flag like, 35 yeah, As in, we don't want yeah. to do that yeah. again. As yeah. in the as in uh, illegal procedure what? on the kicking team. As so in uh, Scott Van Pelt with the, oh, no. You, you saw this on television, and in the press box, you also have access to a television. What did you think of Alex McPherson on a screen? On the TV screen, he's a little guy. I was, uh, I couldn't believe he's it. He's a little guy. I'm used to my kickers being six foot five, listed at five nine one fifty five. Yeah, and uh, I, like I was like, this. That he is, looks like he's in middle school. It's it's playing hilarious college because football, that's an was, inch. That is an inch taller than I am. Right, <laughs> but like he still looks so small. It was insane, <laughs> and I'm like, this guy is dot like he's kicking the ball so incredibly hard yeah. in these long distances but on tv I was, I was, like my eyes were deceiving me it's that he was that small compared to everybody else around him it's so fun good to for watch him it. bro it's so fun to watch him because the carlson's like we said they're both they're six big. foot five they're <laughs> massive but so they just they kind of look like they're swinging drivers right you know they just kind of nice and easy guide it and let the leverage do the work mcpherson he's a little guy he doesn't have the the length to let it just swing and take it so he has to put every muscle in his body into swinging his leg as hard as he possibly can there's a photo of him from i think spring ball or uh -huh. maybe fall practices where he's at full extension on his follow-through and his head is like next to his right hip and his foot is as high in the air as it can go <laughs> he's just folded up and it looks so impressive but he just does it consistently and it sounds like he's just trying to deflate the ball every time he kicks it you can just hear that that you right. know every time it comes off his foot and I just spit on the mic. But <laughs> it's it's really impressive his athleticism. That takes that takes so much bend and flexibility. Uh, that like try to bend that way. I, I promise you can't do it. So for that game, Auburn wins 13-10 against Texas AM, fourth one of the year for Auburn. If they win on Saturday against Western Kentucky, that's five. And then if Auburn finds an Iron Bowl victory, that's six, and they get to go to a bowl game. The third quarter. Holy cow! The defense that Auburn had. That was I awesome. I mean, goodness gracious. I mean, it, part of it's the fact that Texas. I was going to ask, what do you, is, is it bad. more Texas A&M's offense, or were you more impressed by what you saw out of Auburn? It's you a combination of both for me. You got to choose. Both for me. I'm making you, this unfair. If you, if you have me go sixty forty somewhere, I'm going yes, to sixty forty Texas A&M's ineptitude yeah. because uh, yeah, they fair. they. The dude went thir what thirteen of thirty seven. Right, yeah. he, had he, had a, he had twelve straight, straight incompletions. He had at one point thirteen straight incompletions, and the ball and the completion that broke that streak was a one yard loss. Because it's like <laughs> I'm sorry, just Aub a hospital ball. Auburn could have put could have gone to Tampa and said, you know what, Carlton Jamel, come back. You're not going to Germany. You're playing for us on Saturday, and you still <laughs> should not have thirteen straight, twelve straight incompletions. Shouldn't do, shouldn't be like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and I can't was 
maybe I, I was just under a rock. Was Haynes King dead? Why, why was why was Haynes King not ever put into that game? That's a good question. Like if I'm if I'm doing College Station Radio right now, I'm just yelling, "Where's Haynes King?" Because even though Haynes King is isn't great, if someone's got twelve straight incompletions and he was not not the guy that beat out Haynes King and he was that bad. I don't know how it's, how Haynes King did not come in. In a game where you feel like in. you can yeah. win it, like I, I, it's up in a for game grabs. That was never more than ten points. I have no idea how Haynes King never entered that game. It I, says he got injured against South Carolina. It says like he hurt his throwing shoulder. It does but not say he how play se- against Florida. It does or not say how stupid? severe that injury is. Maybe he didn't play against Florida. Maybe it was that was on October twenty second. Is when he got hurt. I, I know, but the Florida he game. He did was, because Connor uh, Wigman, Wigman, whatever uh-huh. we're going with. Wigman is how Wigman, he was out with the flu. He was one of the flu And players. so Haynes King played that Florida game yes. that they lost the week before. That's what I thought. I, I don't know, man. Uh, so <laughs> Jimbo's got to figure it out. Again, man. that's why I lean. Jimbo's got a lot of stuff to figure out. <laughs> that's why I lean towards still incompetence, but you still got to give Auburn credit because that when. Okay. Heck, AM didn't even try to run the ball. What yeah. am I saying? I was going to say, well, at least they stopped the run. They didn't try. Saw Dylan Brooks <laughs> so, on the football field. You did. He's, he's alive. He, uh, he's been getting more playing time than he has been, especially since Eculiota went down. And it, Auburn's been rotating a lot more on the defensive line since, good to see. since Brian Harson got fired, which is something you need to do. Had a great game from Cam Riley in the first game of the season and then never really heard from him again for a while, and now he's back out there making plays, yeah. which, yeah, get all and of these Wesley guys Wesley Steiner there. is not. Right. <laughs> Wesley Steiner got benched, and, man, I want Wesley to be successful. Again, Wesley and I, we're from the same area, legends of the 478. Um Wesley's a smart kid. He's a good kid. Everybody I know that I, I know a lot of people who went to high school with him. They're all like, "Yeah, Wesley's a super smart guy. Really cool dude." And he went viral in high school for power cleaning 435 pounds. The dude is a monster and an athletic freak, but he cannot tackle. He cannot tackle, and he thinks too much when he's on the football field. Someone's someone's just got to get in his head because it's not a physical thing. It's not a physical thing with Wesley. He's got every physical tool you need to be a good linebacker. But he's, he's, his head, something's up in his head. Well, and I think the rotation part of it, back to the defensive line, I mean, that that's the one position that every defense must rotate. Yes. I mean, you, if you have two or three stud linebackers, you don't have to do rotations there. I know some some linebackers are suited for different things, so maybe you've got a great run stopper that you really don't want out there on third and 12. But but you really don't rotate safeties. And, you, and DBs, I mean, maybe you <laughs> – Maybe you have five that you like in four spots or something like that. But, again, that's not something you have to do if you've got guys you like. But defensive line, especially with up-tempo college football, playing 70, 80 plays a game, uh, you you got to have some rotation there. Uh, My dad and I were actually talking about this uh, a week or two ago, and he brought up what Matt Brown used to say, uh, who's still at North Carolina but was at North Carolina at the time that he – heard it the first time but he he used to say that those defensive guys up front they can't give you more than 40 or 50 plays once they start getting the 50s they're just they're just not going to be able to have that same same energy and i mean especially when you're when you're going three four plays a minute now with how quick some of these offenses are i totally agree with that you need to have seven or eight guys that you rotate up front so that when it's the fourth quarter, I'm not talking about a guy that's played 60 snaps already, which is 
you know, 90% of the snaps at that point. And I think you'll get better return on your investment. And again, it's not about, well, you know, the second string guy is clearly not as good as Colby Wooden. I get that. Whatever. Uh, you know, that might be not true. Not many people are as good <laughs> as Colby Wooden, you know, or Derek Hall <laughs> or any of those guys. But the point is, you need to find 10 to 20 plays throughout the game where you can mix and match and you can find somebody else to give you a few snaps and you try and find the right situations to do that. That's part of coaching. You know, what situation can I live with five snaps here without Derek Hall in the game or three or four snaps in a row where I'm not going to have my best unit out there? Every defense goes through that, and that's also part of the development process where, oh, by the way, I'm not too worried about my sixth best defensive lineman being in the game right now. I'm not. I'm going to lose something, but I'm not going to just get beat off the line of scrimmage the guy's going to be blocked into West Georgia, you know. So I mean that that's that's a part of it. It all feeds off one another, and so it's been good to see uh, Morris Joseph come in there and, and have a great game and, and given the opportunity, and that helps you a lot. And I, again, I know we're at the end of this year, so it doesn't matter too much for this year, but it'll matter down the road because you're going to want to play Morris Joseph a lot next year when guy like Derek Hall's not here anymore. So that's all. It's all feeds. It's all part of the plan because. That six, that fifth, that sixth, that seventh guy in an ideal world where people they don't transfer, they're some of your starters. And the at next Auburn, year. So I they love, need that they need I that experience. Love that there's always been the next group that you know, it's like Derek Brown and Marlon Davidson. And now we're talking about Colby Wooden and Derek Hall. And who's gonna be next? I think Jeffrey Emba's got a chance, man. Yeah. I, that guy that guy is a baller. He's large. He's a very, very big man. <laughs> I think Dylan Brooks has a chance to be part. And it goes back before Derek Brown, you know. I remember That's what, watching yeah, keep going. Montravius Adams. Before right. him, Nick Fairley. Uh, I mean, this is a big jump. But Tracy Rocker comes to mind right. in the 80s. It's so weird to me. Tracy Carl Rocker, Lawson was amazing. Carl Lawson, D. Man. Ford was D. great Ford, on the 2013 I ate team. at a Waffle House next, sitting next to D. Ford. Corey yeah. Lemonier. I ate, I ate at a Waffle House sitting next to D. Ford Every time um, Jeff Holland would do I the sensei bow after mm. a big play, Jeff Holland. Jeff Holland was making plays and out there, Again, man. most of those guys, they're not just coming out of nowhere their junior year. Like there's a build up to it. Like right. you knew yeah. granted this is a little bit different, but Carl Lawson, big time prospect, you saw his freshman year. He didn't play every snap. There was other guys on the team, but you saw in, in the he probably played half the snaps. You saw right there, boom, this guy's gonna be really good. It kept getting better and better. D Ford, same thing. These guys, you get these glimpses of them, they play a little bit, and then they rotate in those heavier workload spots, and then you get the higher production numbers and and you really focus on how how great those guys are. But again, it starts with them getting getting 20 snaps a game as a freshman and you they may not produce much but that that's when they start figuring out college football that's how they develop what they need to do and again it all feeds off itself and so you mess up one part of that sequence then all the parts of the sequence you 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 mess up the development part so then you don't have guys that you like in your second string and then you don't then your first string guys get tired and then when your first string guys move on your second string guys aren't ready for that workload cuz they haven't been playing at all and they're not they're not as good as you want them to be i mean it all it all feeds off of each other rodney garner come back to auburn <laughs> yeah. cuz i i swear man that guy that guy could make a dog out of anybody. Next man up, dude, and I love it. I love that it. That dude was so good at coaching defense. All right, line. so Auburn football needs a new coach. Mm-hmm. Need a new football coach. Brian Harson let go. Cadillac Williams, the interim head coach. And uh, it's really awesome what we're seeing from Auburn uh, under Cadillac Williams, but it feels as though uh, there's going to be a higher set left to be made. Uh, on Sunday night on the internet, 
things just got stir crazy regarding Lane Kiffin mm. and whether or not he would be the next head coach. Mm. And and Brant, you're so dialed in to Auburn Twitter and to the internet <laughs> and to things that take place. We're now tracking airplanes. We are aren't indeed. We? We are tracking one particular airplane. What's the latest, man? Uh, so, for those who don't know, Auburn has two university jets. They have N20 AU and N10 AU. At this moment, right now, N20 AU is on the ground in Memphis, Tennessee. Memphis? For those who don't know, that's about an hour outside of Oxford, Mississippi. It's also where Jimmy Sexton lives. Jimmy Sexton is the agent for, among many other coaches, Lane Kiffin. How about that? So you're sure he's not looking at the Memphis coach? <laughs> well, well, considering that I don't know who the head coach of right. Memphis is, I would guess no. Right. But yeah, man, it's I I told myself I wasn't going to get excited until there was anything concrete. I'm reading this as kind of concrete. Like this is this is a big deal. How do you read this? It's Ryan? also the regional Memphis is Memphis Air, Memphis International is also the regional airport for the University of Mississippi. Right, much like Atlanta is for Auburn. Right, good point to make. At Ole Miss, you got to utilize Memphis as much as possible. How do you read this? As much as I want Lane Kiffin, I'm taking it face value. What this t- tells me is the conversations are happening. Okay, we can confirm that Jimmy Sexton is having involvement. In a potential deal with one of his clients, Which probably Lane Kiffin, right? <laughs> Lane Kiffin with Auburn. Now, does Auburn get to the number that Jimmy Sexton and Lane Kiffin want? You know, do they do they agree to terms? I, I can't. I'm not in the room. I don't know what's being said. I don't know what's being offered exactly. But I can tell you that this is good evidence to suggest they are indeed working on a contract. The numbers that I have heard range anywhere from eight million over five years. To twelve million over ten years, which if Auburn gives this guy a twelve million dollar over ten year, who, buddy, that's a gamble. But look, it's not my money. Would you take so that why gamble? Why do I care? Yeah, Lane Kiffin. You got to get the right Lane guy. Kiffin ten year deal. One hundred twenty million. One hundred twenty million. Yeah. yeah, you're okay with that? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, yes, because does Auburn win the SEC championship in one I of think those at least, ten years? I think at least yes. once. Yes. Probably. Yes. I think more than that. Yeah. Look, I think Lane Kiffin, if he comes here, is going to build a superpower. I really do. I hope uh, so. But, you know, I even if he doesn't, the excitement that he generates, his ability to utilize the portal, he's going to make Auburn better one way or another. Because, well, let's be frank, it's hard to get any worse than it has been this year. I, I just... Gah. I want him so bad I can taste it. <laughs> That's where I am as an Auburn fan. <laughs> I've seen people try and talk to the dog on Twitter. Juice, yeah. Uh, Juice, oh yeah. I, like, my, it, my father has talked to Juice. <laughs> online? Online. On on the Twitter machine. Advocating for Juice to move to Auburn? Yeah, I advocate. Well, he's like, well, so my dog, er, my dog, my dad trains hunting dogs. Uh-huh. And he's got a dog right now named Rex. Rex is my boy. I love Rex. Um, he's a little yellow lab. Uh-huh. Juice Kiffin is also a yellow lab. Uh-huh. And so my father, petitioning for Lane Kiffin to come to Auburn, talked to, Ju- talked to Juice using Rex, <laughs> saying, hey, let's come here. <laughs> we'll terrorize all the other dogs on Sanford Lawn. Yeah. And I'm going, Make let's, it happen. let's go. <laughs> let's go, Dad. <laughs> yeah. I um, want Lane so bad. <laughs> could you see news coming out before the end of the year? No. I uh, couldn't either. I, well, I'd be, maybe I could. I would, I'd be shocked. I'd be shocked. But look, here's 
The way I'm the looking sport at it, is changing in the in the world of the transfer portal. The earlier you get a guy in, the better it is for you. And the earlier you get in as a head coach, the better chance you're going to have to get these guys out of the portal. I mean, I don't, I don't doubt that there could be an agreement struck, but again, for PR's sake, honestly, it would it would be a bad it, look. It would diminish my excitement temporarily because what does that say to those kids at Ole Miss? I mean, at the same time, I mean, like, I I, I know what happens happens, and I know you say, what's the big deal if it's a week later? Okay, but those kids are about to play their biggest rivalry game. The state of Mississippi cares immensely about that game, that Egg Bowl. And we know it's a business, but there's still a time for business. And I, I just personally don't think that that would be fair. He, again, he could sign a contract right now. He signed it right now as we speak. But you finish out your duties to the University of Mississippi and, to, and more importantly to those kids that have entrusted you and that program with you. Because, again, is, is, I'll, I'll say it this way. What what if that were happening to Auburn? You know, I mean, would you like as as unlikely as it is? You know, what if what if Auburn ever went to a situation where they had a guy from an alma mater? Let's say let's say his alma mater was Oklahoma, okay, and Oklahoma is still a, a program that's above Auburn again in terms of job, and so that guy's decided he wanted to be home. But you know what? Auburn's nine and th- nine and two, eight and three. Week of the Iron Bowl. Nope, I'm gone. Enter him for the Iron Bowl. Would you would you be good with that? Would everybody be good with that? I don't think so. So I I, I still want do unto you or do unto others as you want done to yourself. And so what I, I I would be a little I again I I'd get over it. <laughs> We'd all be excited in the end. <laughs> but at least initially, I, I my excitement would be a little diminished because that would be kind of a raw deal for those kids and for Ole Miss. It would. It absolutely would. I I don't disagree at all. Um, but. I don't Drew, know. What say it, you? it depends. It depends on what Lane Kiffin wants, I guess. You know. Yeah, it would. And just, he's very upset with Ole Miss. Yeah, um, it would bring back memories of the exit of Jimbo Fisher at FSU for me because there were. I remember we had an interim coach for the bowl game, Odell Hagens. Shout out. <laughs> um, but yeah, that everyone loved Jimbo Fisher for about ninety percent of his time at Florida State, and then it was the ugliest breakup that. I can think of went downhill fast. Yeah. And not that that caused what's going on with him at Texas A&M, but it's not a good omen. It's not a good look. It's not how you want to start your relationship. I don't think so. I I agree that he should be finishing his obligations at Ole Miss before he's publicly announced. Yeah. And I mean, to be clear, you know, again, I'm not advocating for him. He needs to stay Ole Miss for their bowl game. Even if, even if it's a new year six bowl, I'm not, I'm not saying that, that that's more traditional because even the kids will start to leave. Some of those kids will end up not playing. If a lot of coaches will get fired before the bowl. If they're not, you know, if they want to go on the NFL, you know, they might, they might skip that bowl game. We we've already seen that a lot in college now and that sort of thing. So I'm not saying that, but when it's a regular season, you know, I just believe you got to honor that commitment and and finish it out, and you know we'll see. And we're doing all the speculation. <laughs> well, again, we'll, until we actually hear the announcement, we we don't know for sure, and we're not gonna sit here and be like, "Yep, we got it. Kiffin's in. He's coming." Just uh, we'll wait till Sunday after the Iron Bowl. Uh, but you know, I would still to go back to the, the original question. I would be very shocked if we heard anything uh, before the, you know. Before Sunday, uh, the day after the Iron Bowl. Now, 
when the sun rises on Sunday morning in Auburn, Alabama, the window opens. Okay, the the windows open. It's uh, it's it's fair game, but uh, I just think you got to finish finish these seasons out, particularly with these rivalry games. Again, I, I tell you what, I'll be doing Thursday night. I'll be watching Ole Miss Mississippi State. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, because that'll be probably the best game on, and it's a game that means a lot to that state. It's a really solid rivalry. Okay, just because it's not the Iron Bowl doesn't mean it's not a really damn good rivalry. Those, those people in Mississippi, we asked, we asked Ben Ingram about it not too long ago when, we, when he was on the show, and uh, he That's said, right. "Yeah, you, it's hard to talk to people of the opposite school for a little while after that game." You know, same kind of dynamic here. So, uh, you know, again, that would be a really big game to say, "Nope, I'm out on." And again, let me give you this subcontest. It ain't like Lane Kiffin running across the country too. Ole Miss, Ole Miss, no. Ole Miss plays Auburn every year, at least until the until the uh, SEC kind of dwarfs into one big thing here. So, uh, Ole Miss, what you don't need to give Ole Miss even more reason to try and stick one to Kiffin while he's at Auburn the, over the next few years. And we would play Ole Miss at Jordan Hare in twenty twenty three, right? So we would have to wait, and that would help until twenty twenty four. Yeah, that's right. I was trying yeah. to remember where the game was. And twenty twenty five should be when the conferences change. So then, who knows who plays who? Um, yeah, we haven't talked point, about the schedules in a while. Well, that's something. Oh, that we'll be to... back on it. Yeah, <laughs> it, it it ain't going away. We're not going <laughs> yeah. back in time. We're not. We're moving closer and closer to new schedules ahead. and new alignments. No yeah. kidding. No kidding. It is, uh, it is time for the renewal of the Pine Box rivalry. Yeah, we'll make it happen. We'll make it happen. We'll see what happens with Lane Kiffin. Uh, we'll continue to track planes, I guess. It's Twitter all over that, Brent. Uh, it's some of it's Twitter, some of it's message board, some of it's good reporting by the yeah. Auburn beat writers uh-huh. out there. Absolutely, yeah. Justin Hokinson with On Three, the Auburn Undercover guys, which Jason Caldwell and Philip Marshall are doing great work. Uh, so great go beat. and subscribe to all of their work to get the latest there regarding the coaching search. You think it's going to be Lane Kiffin at the end of the day, Drew? Yeah, I, I really hope so. Um, He's just the guy that ever since Harson was fired, even prior to that, we were hearing Lane, Lane, and I fully bought in during that period. And it, it wouldn't be disappointed is not the word to use if we go another direction, but it would be it would take some getting used to. And I would frequently think of what could have been. Want to pose this? I can't wait for the marketing, man. <laughs> Come to the sip. That uh-huh. was amazing. Is, come to the barn. That gonna, was the amazing. Barn. I want to pose this this question. Pose though. it. Um, is this the most unified Auburn's been for a football hire? One hundred percent. Because in twenty, I feel like people. Some people like Cristobal. Some people were already on Lane. I don't know. You know, some were back the freeze in the steel. Wasn't as real. Yeah, yeah. People with millions of dollars like Kevin Steele, and that was about it. If you were under the $10 million tax bracket, <laughs> you did not want Kevin Steele. But then I'm trying to go back to like 13 when Malzahn was hired. I felt like that was a pretty unified yeah. front at that point. I, I mean, being in high school and being in Birmingham, I know it's still the state of Alabama, but not being as involved as I am now in Auburn, literally in Auburn, I don't know if it was quite as unanimous, but it did feel like it was a well-received, very well-received hire and made a lot of sense to people. So I don't know, just questioning if, if anyone had thought of a more unified front than what people yeah. were putting on for wanting Lane Kiffin. I tell you what, I don't think it stops with the fan base either. I think... I think the people at the top, I think the president, I think the board, and I think the athletic director, 
are all aligned in what they want and what they're okay with doing, the direction they want to go. Now, if Lane Kiffin ends up not being the guy, we'll see how long that, that holds true. Chaotic, it could very yeah. easily collapse. But right now, I feel like everybody at the top is behind Lane Kiffin and wants to get him regardless of what it takes. And they're willing to throw the money around. And look, if you get that guy in here and he has all of that support behind him and he's got all of this NIL stuff that Auburn's been throwing together and you've got the newest facility in all of college football, which is amazing, by the way, and you've got a fan base that is ravenous to get back to competing for the SEC West, it's it, Auburn is a powerhouse just waiting to explode. I, and I think the the NIL piece of it, you know, is just that that's going to be the thing that ultimately gets Lane Kiffin, I think, to jump ship, assuming he does. Because Ole Miss, I know they have the contract restriction, but they could start throwing around big numbers for him too, and they can find other ways to get him his his money over time. I mean, they they can have handshake agreements and, and, and all that. So Auburn, I think, while it can offer a ton of money. I don't think it's I don't think it's pure contract value that we're talking. I think it's the value and the ability to win and put resources beyond what just goes in the Lane Kiffin's wallet. You know, I think you're talking about this NIL collective that that Lane Kiffin has publicly criticized at Ole Miss. And they just don't have the same sort of resourceful backing that Auburn has the potential to have when it's aligned, right? I mean, it's just it's just not there. And you've read between the lines of some of what Lane Kiffin's done, and he's kind of inadvertently just over and over again criticized his own program because he also had that thing this year where he was not very happy with the 11 a.m. kickoff and how the fans didn't all come out. Yep. You know, and, and that again, that's a 60,000-seat venue. In it, you know, and you're not getting sixty thousand people in there necessarily unless it's a primo matchup, uh, and, and so that's a part of it. I, I think the thing here is what Auburn, what if they're being smart, what they've got to appeal. You know, Jimmy Sexton, they're going to have to sh- you know give <laughs> give Sexton all the financial money, you know, and all the all the in the wallet stuff. Yeah, we'll throw a hundred million dollars out there for your client, you know, all that. But when you're actually talking to Lane Kiffin, I think y- your pitch. Is your NIL collective? It's your your fan base that it's bigger than Ole Miss, that it's more uh, energized than Ole Miss, and your ability to win. Because he said again, here's here's strike number three against Ole Miss. Is he was after the game? He was asked about Quinshawn Junkins and his production and all that, and he said, "I don't give a bleep. We didn't win the game. I don't. I, I we we used to be talking about all these numbers. We we want to we want to wanted to beat Alabama today." Yeah. And so you appeal to that third is okay. You've not been able to beat Alabama, Ole Miss. You're close, but you need a few more horses. Auburn's accustomed to getting just a few more horses than Ole Miss. Make Auburn can beat Alabama. So yeah. uh, those are the three things you're actually using to try and get Lane Kiffin. We're wanna, all on the Lane train. Absolutely. I want to point out uh, Ole Miss and, and Alabama. And I have a fun they're, fact: they're two top ten teams, right? They were host. Ole Miss was hosting, I think, seventeen four and five stars and i can't remember if i said this on the show or not four and five stars there were 17 of them at that game it's a top 10 matchup it's the biggest game of the year for Ole miss at auburn three and six auburn versus three and six texas a&m that number was in the 30s sheesh that is the difference between auburn and, and Ole miss is that auburn can draw that for that game yeah and then show off i mean the crowd at auburn was incredible you would have thought they were competing for an sec championship <laughs> but Three, it's it, that was the battle for last place in the West, and right. you had that crowd. Man, I, I, the other thing, 
uh, Auburn's NIL Collective on to victory. They announced this a couple of months ago. They had a three-year plan to raise $30 million. At the end of three years, that's the amount they wanted. In the first month of that program, they raised $13 million. So you're a third of the way through one month into your three of a thirty six month plan, yeah. and when you hire a guy that can get the fan base behind it, imagine how fast you're going to blow through thirty million dollars. Be honest, the quick math there from me was pretty good. Thirty six months. You're not usually a huge math guy. Twelve yeah. times three. Twelve times three. Baby. You ready for my fun fact? Yeah. You said powerhouse a moment ago, and I randomly heard someone tell someone did. I randomly heard someone say... I said powerhouse. The mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. Correct. In my head. And awesome. I just wanted to deliver is that, that a, fun fact to Lane people. Kiffin, Lane Kiffin, the mitochondria of Auburn. <laughs> Make it happen. Make it happen. I need it to happen. All right. Uh, what is 11 oh, times Oh, you've got 11? something? Got a little Auburn bad. 121. News. There you go. Uh, we talked earlier in the show about uh, Bruce Pearl saying yesterday there's a chance that Chance will play tonight. Well, 41 minutes ago on Auburn's Twitter account, guess who's back with a picture of Chance Westry holding his jersey. Seems to indicate Chance Westry uh, will be back tonight. Expect him to play between 10 and 15 minutes, according to Bruce Pearl. And that's his college debut. Never played a college basketball game until this evening. Here is our Player of the Week. Sports Calls Player of the Week. Minnesota Vikings wide receiver Justin Jefferson is Sports Calls Player of the Week, presented by Eric McDade State Farm. Jefferson was instrumental in the Vikings' overtime win over the Buffalo Bills on Sunday, catching 10 passes for 193 yards and a touchdown, including a one-handed grab on 4th and 18 to keep the game-tying drive going. The whole play was crazy. It felt like a movie, Jefferson would say after the game. With the win, the Vikings moved to 8-1 on the season. Jefferson also set NFL records in this game, becoming the fastest receiver in league history to hit 4,000 career receiving yards and breaking the record for most 150-yard games in a player's first three seasons. Justin Jefferson is Sports Call's Player of the Week. What a fella. Drew Behenna, I want to hear from you. Justin Jefferson, our Player of the Week, man. Um... I know it was against your Buffalo Bills. Yeah, he that was incredible. Um, Fourth and 18. The, yeah, play <laughs> of the week, probably catch of the year. Um, what hurts a lot is that Stefan Diggs probably had the second best catch of the year up to this point in that game. And yeah, no one's nice really talking about yeah, it. Yeah, it didn't matter at the end of the <laughs> yeah. day, so no one's going to remember it. Um, but, yeah, he's incredible. I still think that trade that ended up uh, the Vikings used the Bills draft pick when they got Stefan Diggs for Justin Jefferson, potentially the most fair trade in NFL history. Two superstars. That's but, an awesome way to think yeah, of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's but yeah, I mean the Vikings, they I said this at the start of last week. They don't know how to lose a game right now. Um, it was a long time ago they lost to the Eagles. They they might be the best team in the NFL right now. Just it's with Kirk Cousins at quarterback, which is if you're doing what they're doing with that guy at quarterback dangerous team yeah no doubt no doubt justin jefferson our sports call player of the week presented by eric mcdade state farm all right as we wind down our show today one thing left to accomplish our show is about to end but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening here's sports calls nightly tv guide the sports call nightly tv guide is brought to you by our friends at white claw hard seltzer stop by your local tk's convenience store and pick up a white claw variety pack today a lot of drama during this segment yesterday. Uh, we'll keep it moving. Huh. Um, college football. Bowling Green at Toledo, 6 p.m. on ESPNU. This item was provided by Brooks Childress. Uh, college football. Ohio at Ball State at 6 o'clock on ESPN2. 
This item was provided by Brooks Childress. NBA action tonight. The Memphis Grizzlies at the New Orleans Pelicans, 6.30 on TNT. This item was provided by Brooks Childress. The Brooklyn Nets at the Sacramento Kings, 9 p.m. tip-off on they, TNT. They put the Kings on national, on national TV? TV. You get to watch them on TNT this That evening. person actually wow. threw the Kings a bone. Yeah. Good for the Kings. Uh, men's college basketball tonight, number four, Kentucky versus Michigan State. 6 o'clock on ESPN. This item provided by Brooks Childress. Champions Classic annual event each and every year. Kentucky plays Michigan State. And then later, number 7, Duke. Number 6, Kansas. 8.30 on ESPN. Men's College Basketball tonight. Winthrop at number 13, Auburn. 6 p.m. start on the SEC Network. This item provided by Brooks Childress. All items provided by Brooks Childress have now been said on our nightly TV guide. Let's keep it moving. Uh, men's college basketball tonight. Gardner-Webb is in the Dean Dome, taking on number one, North Carolina, at seven on the ACC Network. And then we've got number 18, Alabama, at South Alabama, 9 p.m. local time Good start. Grief. Go on Jabs. ESPNU. South Alabama wants to make sure Bama gets home late tonight. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they'll be tired. Maybe they'll be sleepy. Well, we, Do you think South Alabama can win that game? Uh, got a former Auburn player on the squad. Turbo so. Jones. I, mm-hmm. I would have said yes. I would have said yes until I saw Alabama cream Liberty. And Liberty ain't bad. Uh, Liberty won like 26 games last year. So... Uh, Alabama, so far, two games, but two games looks pretty good. A couple of movie picks for you this evening. The Water Boy at 7 on FX. It was released in 1998, starring Adam Sandler, Kathy Bates, and Henry Winkler. Uh, Bad Moms at 8 on Freeform, released in 2016, starring Mila Kunis, Katherine Hahn, and Kristen Bell. There you go. And then... Star Trek Beyond at 9 o'clock on AMC, released in 2016, starring Chris Pine and Zachary Quinto. That is our nightly TV guide brought to you by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Imagine listening to that segment and, segment and not listening to yesterday's show. <laughs> yeah. And not understanding the drama. Yeah, not understand. Well, look, here's that's the thing, though. I don't think you guys agreed to do that on air. That happened after the Those show. Those were terms presented after the show. Yeah. Yeah. Which none of we that happened. We got Jimmy Sexton in, involved. Yeah. And. It all happened in this room, but none of it happened into the microphones. That's a good point to be yeah. made. I was so in this chair, pro- actually. People are probably really confused. With what they just heard. Drew's confused. Yeah. Drew didn't know what happened. (laughs) So, yeah, there you go. All right, uh, that does it. Our show is over. Brant, thank you for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. Drew, thanks for being here. Of course, always. Ryan, three full hours out of you today. A lot of endurance, you know, putting up with me. Well, that's what is usually asked of us. (laughs) I enjoyed it. Enjoy the Kansas game tonight. All right. All right. right. (laughs) That's going to do it for the rest of our show here today. Alongside Brant Daughtry, Ryan the Boy, and Drew Bahena. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day.